Getting a new vehicle can be stressful, but not at Lake Elsinore Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram. That's where surfers go inland to purchase their new and used vehicles. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Neon Wave. Neon Wave is an internationally local shop, a concierge to the modern nomad. They bring together carefully chosen surf, fashion, art, and snowboarding gear with a curatorial eye that's drawn to the best of the best, technicality, creativity, and sustainability. Their team is born from nature, raised by the wave, and nurtured by the culture they support. This is Neon Wave. We look forward to moving forward. Check them out at thisisneonwave.com. Earth Pack, customized eco-friendly retail and e-com packaging since 1989. In a time of increasing environmental awareness, Earth Pack is an advanced supplier of affordable recycled packaging for businesses of all sizes. Earthpack provides custom products and services and continues promoting sustainability while fulfilling the individual packaging needs of eco-friendly retailers nationwide. Check them out at earthpack.com. Just live. We believe a life is meant to be lived to its fullest potential. In order to do that, you need to feel at your best, both physically and mentally. We founded this community to share what we found as professional athletes that can help people of all walks of life. So, you can go out and do exactly what you're supposed to do. Just live. Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. Wow. Different. That was good. <laughs> Our guest this week is an actor with over 30 years. Starring in 70 plus films and television series. Wow. Woo! You probably recognize him in Point Break or NCIS Los Angeles. Maybe The Deputy or HBO's True Detective. We're going to have to ask him later about why he's always agents and, and cops and he's got detectives. The look. I like it. He's, I mean, a good looking FBI yeah. agent. Yeah. He's yeah. also written, produced, directed numerous projects, including Out in 50, an action crime drama starring Mickey Rourke. Dude, that wow. guy's legend, too. On top of that, he founded Truth Be Told Acting Collective and later his own acting studio. He's offering private groups, personal, on set, professional coaching, mentoring the next generation of actors. We love it. And this just goes to show his experience and his passion for the art and he can surf he can act and we're just stoked to sit down with bo jesse bcj bc bjc cjc sorry bc can we do that let's get that right bjc which is bo jesse christopher yes thank you I always butcher something. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, you do. I love Sorry it. about that. Man. Yeah, no, I, I are you kidding? First of all, thank you. Bruce. I'm out. Yeah, no, I'm I'm so thrilled to be here. I'm so stoked to see you guys. Anymore. Yeah, you know what? We can we can. So what I would say to that is like that changed the course of the way it feels in such an uplifted, spirited, fun way. Yeah, I'm stoked to be here. Thanks yeah, for having dude. me. Thanks for <laughs> thanks for finally sitting down with us. This has kind of been in the making for a couple of years. Yeah. Right? No, you've extended an invite, yeah. and I've always appreciated that, and had tremendous respect and love for you, Jay. So what? The, for, so for me to be here, yeah. finally, this is great. It All, all loads. All, all loads? <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> all roads. Yeah, I did a lot of laundry this morning, so you know, I was thinking, you know. Anyway, all roads lead us to this moment. Yeah. Well, let's start at the beginning. Please. BJC, where did it all begin for for the love of surfing first? Wow. 
So we are going BC because this is like at the beginning, right? Did I say BC? No, no, no. no you're, you're, you're it's a callback. Right. This yeah. is a callback. So where where does it all begin in Sam general? Uh, like where am I from? Like yeah. where 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 am I? Where was from? you born? So born and raised in San Francisco. Oh wow! Yeah, in nineteen seventy. So the summer of love, nineteen sixty nine. My mom and dad, my literally, yeah, from Indiana and Tennessee. Drove to San Francisco. My dad was a musician. My mom was an artist and a poet. A poet and a painter. Hippies. Hippies. 1969, Summer of Love, got pregnant with me, had me in 1970 in the fall, and that's where the story begins. My dad quickly says, so I can just kind of like tell the story about the name. My dad says, okay, so... Um, this is, is going to be really good. So my dad's <laughs> playing a gig in San Francisco. It's 1970, October 16th, and it's like 12 midnight. And he's you know he's buzzed and he's playing the gig, and he does his first set. And the bartender says, "Hey Don, your, your wife just had the baby. You got to get to the hospital." And he's like, "Okay, I'll make it back before the second set." He gets on his motorcycle, which is our family car at the time, and he motors through the streets of San Francisco, gets to the hospital. He's got the long flowing 1970s hair, so he's super rock and roll and buzz on the motorcycle. <laughs> he gets to Mount Zion Hospital, which is where I was born. My mom has already given birth. She's sitting there with the baby on her chest. There's a nurse in the room, and he kind of slides in like Kramer. Right? He's like, Makes the entrance. Dawn. Big, you know, flowing rock and roll hair, fresh off the motorcycle. He's like, I got it. I got the name. Bo Jesse. Bo after Bo Diddley, the blues guitarist, and Jesse after Jesse James, the, the cowboy outlaw. He's Bo Jesse, one word, capital J. He's an outlaw with rhythm. Okay, I gotta go. Wow. He gets out of there, he exits, he gets back on his motorcycle, and he finishes the second set of the gig, and he comes home like three days later. This, this is 1970. This is real, a real story. This is a real Bo story. Jesse. But that's that, where it begins. That is freaking incredible. That's Can we go story. back, though? Sure. So, so, so your mom and dad. Yeah. Did they drive separately and found each other in San Francisco? No. So okay. my mom was a, lived in Indiana. My dad was from Tennessee. My mom was a fan of my dad. My dad was in this band called the Cardboard Box, like like um, like not Sebastian Bach, but uh, you know Bach, right? Okay. B a c h. Yes. Um, cardboard Box. The Cardboard Box. But they That's were like cool. rock and roll. You know, it was yeah. 1968, 69. So my mom was at a show and was like a fan of my dad. My dad was a rock and roll drummer. So they ended up hooking up. And as the story goes, it was sort of like a shotgun wedding. My dad just, my dad was already married and had two kids, but he left his wife to take my mom, um, marry her quickly before her father found out, and then take her to San Francisco and start a life. Wow. Yeah. That's how they did it back then. Yeah. So I think my mom was 16. Shut the front door. Yeah. And, and so my, I think my dad was like 22 or 23, had two kids, was married. Wow. Yeah. Quickly got, you know, an old or something, married my mom, took her to San Francisco and like took my, so my grandfather's oldest daughter basically just kind of took her Yeah. <laughs> and started a life and had me. Yeah. But she was a, a painter and a poet and, you know, it was that time. How, how different it's like the times were like, I mean, I, I know my parents got yep, married re right out of high school and had kids too, but it was yeah. like, you know, 18, they just out of the house, you're an adult, go start a family, go, you know, have kids. Yeah. It's like, that's yeah. crazy. You know, like to think, I couldn't yeah. think my kids at that yeah. age yeah. now. Well, no, we, it's we, scary actually when we interview yeah. like DB and Herbie Fletcher, right? Yep. Yeah. Like Herbie was saying how his first job was at like 10 years old. Wow. You know? And, and like 10 years old, like, yeah. yeah, I was already, you know, 
doing the newspaper routes at 10 years old. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, my daughter's 11. Oh, wow. She, she, you know what I mean? Like, at 10 years old, they were doing shit already. Check this out. Oh, I'm going to touch on this. This is good. So this, and this kind of comes full circle. Like, where did it begin? So I'm living in San Francisco, and I'm four, five, and six years old, 1974, 75, and 76. So I'm a latchkey kid at this time because my dad's playing gigs. He's rarely around. He's playing music, and he's just you know gone for two, three days at a time. My mom's got this job. It was like a temporary job at this place called Union Carbright or something like that. It was kind of a job just to get a paycheck, and she hated it because she was an artist. And so I was home by myself. And so every morning she'd say, all right, here's $2.75, cents. Get yourself to school, which was like walking distance. Then after school, get on a bus. I'm four, five, and six. Get on a bus, go to the other side of San Francisco on the bus, and go to the YMCA, spend the day there, and then get back by dinner before it gets dark. I'm four, five, and six years old, right? You did just that. enough money to get there and back. Yes, but also 275 went a little further than it yeah. does today. Yeah. So, but this is where the entrepreneurial stuff kicks in, right? So instead Dude. of going to the YMCA, I would take the 275 after school, I'd get on the bus, and I'd make a pit stop at Golden Gate Park. And there was a liquor store there. In 1974, 75, and 76, Coca-Cola came in these little like glass bottles. Yeah. You guys remember those, yeah. right? So I would take 275, go into the liquor store, buy a six-pack of those, those glass-bottled Coca-Colas, go into Golden Gate Park, and I'd sell them for $1.75 each. <laughs> I'd turn a profit on my 275. Then I would go to the wine. How did you? I did this every day. Uh, this story gets really good. So I went every day. I would go into the park, and I'd, I'd make, you know, eight or nine bucks off my 275. I'd spend what I need at the YMCA. I'd come home and I'd stack my paper. Wow. I'm four, five, and six years old. So then, flash forward six to eight months, I'm in this bicycle gang called the Black Widows. <laughs> it's 1974, 75, 76, when did, right? When did that movie Warriors come out? Yes. So Walter Hill's The Warriors, basically yeah. that's what we yeah, thought we were. Yeah, that's yeah. sick. So we're on bikes, we're on bikes. And my dad, <laughs> for Christmas, got me this really cool, like, bicycle that you put together yourself that looked like a motorcycle it had all the plastic gas cans and yeah. like the decals and all that stuff and he wasn't around so i put it together myself and did like finger tight so i'm cruising with the black widows and you know we're like dropping down the streets of san francisco going through you know the streets and and one day my front tire came off Ooh. and all the boys are behind me and you know you literally finger finger tight like i thought it was tight bicycle enough. yeah yeah just rattle it off yeah yeah and then tire came off um you know over the handlebars, broke all the front teeth, and that was the end of the Black Widows. But but let me back up a half second, because my mom's like, okay, no more, we have to move, and this is the next step in the story. But I have to back up to entrepreneurship. So what I did was I got all the Black Widows involved in this uh, after-school, take get 275 from your mom or your dad, meet me in Golden Gate Park, I'll take that 275 and I'll turn it into eight or nine bucks every day, but I'll take my money off the top. And in fact, I'm so, gonna control the revenue. So I, I, I did a full on like sub-promotion business yeah. out of my 275 turned into a like a full-time job. Yeah. Oh, I, I was making money. So wait, Yeah. How, at four, so, five, six years old, who, yeah. who introduced you to that? To money? Yeah. <laughs> to well, to money, but to, I just capital. saw the opportunity. I just saw the opportunity. I was like, just walking by and be like, hey, I bet these people would are thirsty. I know there's no store around. I literally, I was like, you know, I think I got off the bus one day and I was like, I'm, I bought a Coca Cola and I'm like, wait a minute, what if I bought all of them and then turned around and sold some? I'd have more money 
yeah. after that experience? And what if I did that every day? And then at, a, at one point, I was like, I wanted to grow the business. So I was like, why not bring in the Black Widows and yeah. just have them literally That's scour amazing. the park? And so I had like five, six guys doing that, did you and see I controlled vendors, the revenue. Though? Did you see vendors at these places? No. Or no? I was the only vendor. Wow. I mean, this, you know, it's 1974, 75, 76. Yeah, yeah. It's like taking yeah. a lemonade stand in your corner, like to a whole new level. Because right. Because you're like. I was out there. You're, you're not managed by the parents and they're doing, like, you're doing it all on your own. And what, like, you know, what person who is, you know, got a little money in their pocket is not going to dig, like, a cool kid going, hey, buddy, how's it going? I'm yeah. you know, five, six, seven. Yeah. Hey, you want to buy a Coca Cola? I got some ice cold Coca Cola. Yeah. I was, I was. They'd be like, hell yeah, how much? Yeah. They're sitting with their girlfriend, like, hey, buddy, you want, you need, you need a couple cokes? Yeah. I, I was a, a beach hustler where I yeah. just walked and combed the beaches, yeah. little cute kid, because we would have no money. We'd be down there, we'd eat lunch, it'd be 10 o'clock, already served, I'm hungry. We just comb up and down the beach. And back then it was like, pay phones, hey, you know, I need to call my parents, you got any spare change? Hey, I forgot my lunch, or hey, yeah. I'm hungry, you know, spare change. Totally. And you comb you the beaches. Yeah, we five bucks in twenty minutes, and we go eat, and then come back down and do it again in the afternoon. But this yeah. is genius. But I'm just saying, like, that's five, great. six years old. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah. So it's all really fun to share too. It's a total hustle. But that I think that shaped kind of who I am today and how I approach everything else that I've been successful in. It's really interesting, actually. But I think I had a creative brain that brought me to the economic opportunity. Like I saw it in a creative way, and then I activated it in a way that felt good. And not like aggressive to people, and yeah. I was young, and people kind of like providing that. a service, yeah. and it really worked. But then it maxed out because, like you know, at, at six years old, it maxed out when I was really making some money, and my mom was like, "Where's this money coming from?" And then also we were kind of you know stealing from the five and dime stores because we were the Black Widows, right? So yeah. like we were, we were kind of known in the neighborhoods, stealing the Reggie Jackson candy bars and all the stuff that doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. Yeah, um, and then then. My mom's like, enough, we're moving. You broke the teeth, we're out of here, we're moving. And that's when I moved to a small surf town just south of San Francisco called Pacifica. It's mm -hmm. near Half Moon Bay. So Mavericks is just over the hill, over Double Slide. So I kind of grew up in that area. And that's where surfing begins for me. Okay. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. What an amazing little story about, because you're so young. And, I mean, looking back at our kids yeah. again, you're like, yeah. I mean, Duke could, is seven years old, bro. I could see, and he's taking. Yeah, I could see Duke doing it now, but he's like seven, third kid. He's kind of been groomed by the older ones, but right. like four, five, yeah. six is yeah. crazy. No, it's gnarly. Because yeah. you're barely gnarly. like having conversations. Yeah. With people. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, our yeah, kids. I'll, I'll buy the soda, but where's your where's your parents? Like, right. what, you know. Well, like, I think a big part of that was like because my parents were gone a lot, or if they were, you know, around. They had a lot of people around because this was a bohemian sort of yeah. you know, hippie generation kind of thing. Yeah. Lots of people, lots of you know artists and stuff. I got real used to being around people and just you know, adults primarily yeah, yeah. all the time. So I was comfortable with that. So not to like dig too deep on your parents, but your, sure. your dad, that's all he did was he was a musician. He was a professional drummer. Yeah, he was like a session guy, really known for it. His name was Don Graham. He played in a bunch of bands, and a lot of like the artists that were very notable back in that time would come to the house and record music or jam because our house was sort of known to be the place that was like fully electric. Like you could jam. You walk in the living room and there was a bass cabinet and a guitar amp, and, and it was mic'd for vocals, and the whole thing was just ready to go. And then we had a recording 
Um, he converted one room into like an engineering booth with a you know glass partition with the whole board and the whole thing and then you know he had it all set up where no one else did really in that time yeah. in San Francisco yeah. and so all the notables came through I mean like you know the obvious yeah. Santana Joplin uh, the Grateful Dead you name it like other people but those are like the notable ones would yeah. come through and hang out on a regular basis that's pretty crazy yeah man. this was like in the You're time when the Fillmore like is that yeah. Kate Ashbury's yeah right. and so the Fillmore was the venue that um that uh, Bill filmer. Graham was the was the was the concert promoter there, uh, and you know so all those all those acts that were kind of off Broadway San Francisco because that's where it was um, would end up coming through. Like if you were in town playing a show, or if you lived in San Francisco, you would come through our place and like jam and hang out before the show or after yeah. the show. Like you'd make sure you dro you dropped by and hung out. Did you get to meet? Yeah. Like. Yeah. Those people. So just really quick, anecdotally. So my dad was a drummer. So in the kick drum, you know, the kick, the, the kick drum of the, of the drum kit, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of drummers put pillows in there mm. to muffle the sound, right? So my dad had an open end, open faced drum, had his pillow in there. And I was, you know, four five and six. And I'd get inside and land the pillow while he kicked the drum. And so my vantage point, my perspective, while people jammed around me was from that low angle looking up, seeing like, you know, from the chest down, people holding the guitars and like the cigarettes yeah. in the strings. Like that's my visual. Like if I was a photographer, I would have been able to kind of frame that. That's the composition that I remember seeing all this stuff at that age. And like the boom, boom, bah, boom, 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 like yeah. in just, it just was like in my DNA, just beat and rhythm and you know, all that creativity. Wow. Yeah. Were they, were they partiers? Like I oh, can only yeah. imagine yeah. like yeah. that yeah. like yeah. era, like holy smoke. Yeah. Weed was like yes. the big thing, right? And yeah. LSD. Yeah. And, and, then, and Coke. And Coke. Yeah. Because I mean, just so quick story. And this was part of like my mom saying enough, we're moving from San Francisco. Yeah. It was the Black Widows. It was all the things that Bo Jesse was doing, young Bo Jesse, but also um, it was like my dad was really caught up in this like fast pace rock and roll scene. That's the industry though. Yeah, yeah. And especially yeah. 1974, 75, 76. Um, I'd wake up in any given morning, get myself ready for school, and there would just be like 12, 13 people laying around kind of passed out, you know, cigarettes still burning, beers half drank, um, you know, mirrors with, with Coke and, and, and uh, uh, razor blades. And I remember I would try to clean this stuff up, and one time I cut my fingers all up, and I was like in the... Yeah, I was really bad at four, five, and six years old, yeah. right? So, really bad. Um, and so I, was, I remember my mom came in and kind of discovered me washing blood and coke off my fingers at age five, six. She's like, this is, I can't do this. She had like an emotional breakdown and she said to my dad, we got to move. Crazy. And so we moved to Pacifica. 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 Did, did you have any other siblings with their parents? My mom just had my younger brother. Yeah, so she had a new baby, and she was like, this is, you know, we got to get out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we got to just be somewhere that's a little more, you know, yeah. soothing. Crazy. So, the ocean. So Pacifica. Yeah, yeah, great city, beautiful city. Um, and then that's when, when you're like seven years old, you, you see surfing yeah. for the first time? Here's how I here's how I discovered surfing. So Pacifica, if you haven't been there, it's right next to Half Moon Bay. It's just north of Half Moon Bay over Devil's Slide. Lindemar Beach, Rockway Beach, Sharp Park, those are kind of the spots, the point. So I, I moved to Pacifica when I was seven years old, turning eight, and um, very quickly I got 
I discovered the ocean, but not because I was drawn to it. I was down there burning Christmas trees with a bunch of punky friends because this was 1977, 78, right? Yeah. This is a teenage wasteland, you know, environment where like... It's almost you know, like Goonies, It's right? Goonies, bro. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, you know, in this, in 1977, you know, you can imagine what the aesthetic looks and feels yeah. like, right? Yeah. You guys know. And so I'm down there with some punky kids that I met who are doing no good and we're burning Christmas trees like in the fall. So stupid, right? But we're burning Christmas. It's cold. And we're on the beach, and I'm, it's foggy, and I see this guy throwing a piece of wood on the ground. He's skimboarding, right? And I go, whoa, and he jumps on it. And it's like, so my first, I'm looking at this guy skimboarding, and he looks strange. He looks really cool, like an animated lizard. Like, he looks like a rock and roll lizard, long hair. <clears throat> so I kind of get closer. I go, what are you doing? And he goes, I'm skimboarding. It's like, my name's Lizard. No yeah, his name way. Is Lizard. Because he looks like a lizard. He looks so cool. And I'm like, oh, this guy's really cool. And he's got a great, like, style. His style is, it was just, blew me away. The way he rode the skimboard. Really, like he's dancing, but, like, gliding. Like, we were talking about Tom Kern yeah. or Kelly or, right? Like, just, you know, undeniable style. Like, unique yeah. flow. Just unbelievable flow. So this guy's showing me skimboarding. And I'm thinking, I have to do this. This is my next level in life right here. So in a short story, I go back to the house and my dad was also, you know, carpenter and like could build stuff. And so I had my dad make me some skimboards just out of plywood. I'm sure yeah. we all did that before all you could buy them at a surf shop, oh, right? Sure. Yeah. No, you we know. weren't buying it. We were making diamond towels and round towels and totally. towels and polyurethane that shit out. Waxing them yeah. up. Yeah, doing Get a whole shit. Or pieces. <laughs> shellac. Yeah, they'd like laminate yeah. and they'd warp and the whole thing, you know. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, we put weights on it, tried to give it a little concave and stuff. We were yeah. all teched out. <clears throat> totally. So so that's so I started skimboarding and it didn't even it didn't even dawn on me to look outside and see that there's actually surfing yeah. occurring. So literally I was so like in my micro bubble that I was just looking at the surface of, of the ocean, the skim. And so I was Sandboard, we call it sandboarding then, I think, skimboarding, whatever. But like, so skimming, and I got pretty good at it. And I remember one day the fog had like burned off, and I looked out, and this is, you know, it's kind of San Francisco, a lot of fog. I looked out, and I saw guys in the water. And I was like, oh, what are they doing? Guys on board. There's the next surfboard. level. Yeah, and all my, and, and I hadn't had any friends that lived by the ocean until this moment. Now, all my guys were like a little bit inland in this kind of like, because this Pacific is like a cove, and there's boat docks, and there's some houses that kind of live in the neighborhoods and then there's like the valley so all my friends at this point were kind of in the valley and so I was getting closer and closer to the ocean just you know with where I was seeing things and being connected and I remember I saw a couple guys out and they were my age and so I'm like oh I want to meet these guys and they were all like the sons of the fishermen that lived on the boat dock and so I remember one day I got the courage to say hello and I was like what are you guys doing like I did with Lizard and they're yeah. like we're surfing wow. you want to do it and I was like I think so and they're like go get a board and so I was like, go get a board. Where do I get a board? There was one little surf <laughs> shop on the point called Point, uh, Peter Point Surf Shop, I think. And it was so small. It was like some guy's house. And he had like, sold wax and leashes and maybe a couple boards. And I bought a 7.6 uh, pin, single fin, like super heavy, you know, delaminated Jerry Lopez type <coughs> board. And, and I remember those leashes that were just like those, uh, the, the first stretchy Bungie ones. Guns? The bungees. Dude. Not, not even the, but the black ones that were like, yeah, oh the, my God. Surgical tubing. Yes. Yeah. Surgical tubing. They just come back so at you gnarly. It. Whoa, your board's just like crushing <laughs> you, right? And I remember the first, I paddled out the first time. I didn't even know how I got on it. Yeah, figured out the balance. I didn't have a wetsuit. The first time I paddled out, my dad actually goes, I'll go down and watch you. I paddled out. 
and I don't even know how I was, I'm just kind of recalling this memory, but like, I don't know how I was able to actually center myself on the surfboard, paddle out, and in, in quest to get to the outside, right? Because that was just intuitive. And I remember the first way that broke right in front of me just crushed me, and I was underwater and didn't have the, you know, didn't have the experience to say, you know, do we normally relax, go with it, enjoy it, yeah. pop back up, do it again, the whole thing. And I just remember I felt like I was going to drown, and I looked to the shore, and my dad wasn't even paying attention, right? So I'm like, <laughs> okay, he's not going to help me. I could either go in, or I could do it again. Yeah. And so I pop back out, I got crushed on another one, felt like I was going to die, but I survived. And now so I was wait, like, all right, you, you I'm surfing. bought a board... Yeah, 80 bucks. Before you even did it, tried yeah. it. Yeah, just bought it. I was like, I'm going to do it because my new friends were like, you should do this. Yeah. Go get yeah. a board. Yeah. And you then, wanted to be part of the club. I wanted to surf. Yeah. yeah but I like these guys. I like the attitude. I like the conversation I had with Lizard that brought me to the skimming, brought me to surfing. And so, so I took it on the head a couple times, right? Felt I was going to die, survived. And then I was like, all right, now I'm going to go try to re-engage with those guys. So I went down to the beach one day and those guys were surfing. It was a smaller day, a little more forgiving. And I just remember like there was like, I was catching white waters, but I was, you know, nine or 10 years old. And my buddy, Kevin Rhodes, it was Kevin and Sean Rhodes. They were cousins, NorCal guys, Mavericks guys, um, said, you know, turn around, go. Just ride it on the belly and stand up when you can and ride it as far as you can go. And I remember that little piece of advice was so quick and so effective. I just turned around, got it, rode on the belly, stood up quickly, had a perfect stance, goofy foot, was like, this is great, this is rad, so stoked. And then I could hear him hooting and hollering, oh my God, they're watching, this is great. And I rode that thing all the way until that single fin stopped in yeah. the sand. Yeah. And there was no more ocean. And I just sat there, you yeah. know, on the sand going. And you were hooked for I life. I just surfed. I was hooked for life. Yeah. yeah. So we we talk, we talk about that that first experience, whether it's you know just the ocean experience or the wave, but standing up is like this is it. I'm done. This yeah. is what I'm gonna do. Yeah. Well, and also magic. like you know when you first watch surfing and you're like, how do they do that, right? Yeah. You're like, because there's so many surfing is one of the hardest things you can learn. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you're not a good swimmer and you're not comfortable in the water. You're you're gonna panic. You're yeah. gonna fucking, you know, you could drown. Yes. Even and even good swimmers, like it's it's just having that experience yeah. in the water. Like but, you could be like, oh, I'm a great swimmer, and you get out there and you get hammered by a wave, and yeah. then you're like, oh, I don't know, you either like it or you're tumbling. Tumbling. Yeah, tumbling. You find out about yourself, and we know that, which is part <laughs> which is part of why we we're drawn to it. You know. Yeah. yeah. But it's kind of cool how you just said, fuck it, I'm gonna buy a board. Yeah. And. This is what you do. You know, the heart wants what the heart wants, right? Yeah, yeah. That applies to almost everything that, in life. That, that and having a group of friends and peers and, 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 you know, that kind of, not I wouldn't say pressure, but, you know, it's like, yeah. I want to be like these guys, you know? Like, I, it helps push you and, and get you over some of those boundaries, too. These guys, that's such a great point. These guys brought it to me in such a, like, supportive way. They were already big brothering me before yeah. they even knew who I was because they could just see something in me. They saw my potential before yeah. I saw it, but I felt it, and I just followed it. That's cool. I yeah. remember fourth grade. I had an older brother that surfed and dad surfed and stuff, and they just clowned me because I just kept boogie boarding. Yeah. You know? I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to surf. I'm fine. Skimboarding and boogie boarding. And it was fourth grade, and I remember the fifth graders, which is the end of elementary, two dudes, they probably could, full coops, they probably could barely surf, but right. they were like the cool dudes on campus. Nice. Like, oh, those, these two guys, they're the surfers. Right. And me and my buddies were like, we want to be them next year. You know? <laughs> like, that was, and again, these guys. Because they surfed. Because they surfed. They, they were like, like kooks. 
at I don't think I don't know. Oh. Like I didn't know the difference between who ripped and who didn't, but I yeah. just assumed like they were yeah uh, kids. Yeah. You know, they're probably going straight. Maybe they, they have a vibe that you yeah. wanted to tap into. I didn't think like, oh, that guy. I saw him out in the water. I didn't yeah. surf really. Yeah, I didn't right. see them surf. I just yeah. knew that they um, were surfers. Yeah, Did they I'm, wear OP and shit. Yo, just all the above. <laughs> and I'm <laughs> like, dude, we're gonna be the big guys on campus next year. We're yeah. the fifth graders next year. What's like that yeah. summer was like the turning point of like fucking ditch the boogie board and get the surfboard but it was because of other peers and yeah. other other you know adolescent yeah. like guys that were like I haven't said this in a while the show is not about late night no but we're just relating <laughs> experiences on that like you know, know why know. you get out there no no I love this just cause you, you lived in where <laughs> two and a half hours to get to the beach no but it, it's just everybody has similar stories and it's nice to no, it's a kindred spirit. You know, that's the thing about surfing, right? It really is a universe. And, and by universe, I mean it's deeply felt and appreciated. And I think, you know, when they say only a surfer knows the feeling, we know that is the tapping of the source. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. so you bought the board, you, you, you're starting <laughs> to catch waves. Then what, like... Get a wetsuit. Oh, yeah, I was full-time. Then I think, you know, those guys, Kevin and Sean Rose, they had, like, you know, they had equipment because those guys lived at the boat docks. Their their dads were fishermen, so they just had everything that was available then. So I would just get all the hand-me-downs until I could afford to kind of get some new stuff over the, you know, the the coming years. So I would just wear everything that they would, you know, that they would grow out of or didn't want anymore. So booties with holes in them, wetsuits with, you know, holes in the knees and uh, rips on the the sleeve, whatever. Like, didn't matter. Um, I was out there, yeah, so every this, day. What kind of wave setup is Pacifica? Yeah, it's a beach break. So there's, um, so at the boat docks, there's kind of like a rocky reformation thing. On so like on a big, big northwest, you would get that place would break and be good. But generally, like the northwest would miss that part of the beach and get on the on the northern facing part of the beach. There's, uh, so there's a place called Roundhouse. There's a round house that was right there, and there's the, the sandbar is just incredible. So all the sand on the beach would just kind of push there and create just crazy like winter sandbars and there's this left that I would surf and that was kind of where I feel like I really kind of mastered my fun surfing you know flow um, that was like my wave roundhouse and it was just an incredible left that wow. you know okay yeah it was just like it's all time for me you know, roundhouse. any waves over by the pier yeah so Sharp Park Pier was another experience and that was probably like a couple beaches down, yeah. you know, a couple miles down. And so on some some of the days, like that place goes off, it's heavy, you know, deep yeah. water. It feels like ocean beach in a way. Just you comes know? straight into giant short break. Deep, trofty, sort of like, you know, just like on big swells, just like heaving, heavy, just felt like Hawaii, felt, felt like ocean beach, just a lot of water moving. And kind of scary in a way when it got yeah. big. Um, and sharky. Felt real <clears throat> sharky yeah. for some reason. Yeah, deal, dealing with the cold water cannabis. and the sharks up there, yeah. and yeah, it's, you got to be diehard for sure. Yeah, but then Rockaway Beach, in between Sharp Park and Lindemar, so Rockaway was like one cove over, had this killer right that broke into the cliffs, so it was like this little tight space where you're kind of like, you know, the right's on the on the north side of the pier for us, like, yeah. it, so the pier in this simulation would be like the cliff so like you know you have like a but you couldn't shoot the cliff right like we can shoot the pier so you really kind of had to get out before you get into the rocks kind of thing but but rockaway had this i mean uh, incredible hooking throwing right yeah yeah yeah. just pulling up images and stuff because i'm not familiar with those beaches oh yeah you would you would you'd be so stoked it's your way for sure like this thing is like a regular you're you're regular foot also yeah you're goofy yeah you and i goofy okay uh, but your regular foot, so yeah. you, but either way, even backside. But the way it just gets just incredible. Um, 
do some deep, do some research in retrospect because it's yeah. a way that you should surf. We should all surf it at, at some point. But yeah. um, yeah, so I that's that's kind of how I mastered surfing rights. Not not that I'm a master, but for me, right? My yeah, your go-to got used to yeah. Surfing. Yeah, yeah. So, so, um, so I, I just surfed every day with those guys, and then I built up my crew, and we called ourselves the crew. You know, we were the crew. And there's, and there's. You uh, there's, started yeah. Black Widows, and then you started the crew. Yeah, I didn't start the crew. The crew just kind of uh, formed. But the crew was like, see that picture with all those lifeguards? There was like that many guys in the crew. Wow. Yeah, the crew was heavy. Crazy. With the NorCal crew. This, just was, the Pacifica crew. Yeah, the Pacifica crew. And so, but we had some overlap with Half Moon Bay and some overlap with San Francisco, but primarily we were like the, you know, like the Pacifica Peter Point crew, and it was it was massive. Yeah. It was, and, but it wasn't. He's nefarious. referencing a photo of the Junior Guards two thousand twenty-two, like four hundred kids. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's some pictures that look like that of the crew. That's, that's why. I'm, that's why I'm. Did you guys have a Junior Guards program up there at no, all? Nothing. No, there kind wasn't even too early. And, you no know, commercialism whatsoever. I mean, if you wanted to surf a contest, you had to go to Santa Cruz. You know, for years, you had to. I mean, it wasn't that far, but you, if you surfed competitively, it was all in Santa Cruz. Yep. And then, then, then I think the, um, uh, the what are the, the PSAA's? Bud Tour, yeah, yeah PSAA's, yeah. <sighs> so long ago, Ocean Beach. That was that's yeah. when you could actually go to San Francisco. And I actually was like thinking at age seventeen that that's I was going to pursue that, but I was also unilaterally like starting to model and get into acting and modeling for me was like a like a, a conduit a stepping stone into acting so I didn't really want to model but that was my only opportunity in San Francisco to, to get me into the LA acting thing but at the same time my love for surfing was so deep that I was like I was it, it, being pulled internally I was like okay do I want to surf do I want to try to surf competitively yeah. or do I want to be an actor and ultimately I, I you know my choice was to be an actor yeah. but I also knew that like my heart really was like more of a soul surfer anyway it wasn't really the point so yeah. the, you know all that stuff so yeah you're talking about that crew and we always talk about like you know you, you first learned at that spot on that single fin, yeah, and you start venturing to other spots, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And NorCal, when you think of NorCal, you think of localism too, right? sure, especially those days. Yeah, so how especially was how was it gnarly? Yeah, gnarly, yeah, like real gnarly. That's why you uh, surf your own your, your same spot every day because once you go out and do a new yeah. new spot, you're like a foreigner. You're yeah, like, what the hell are you doing here? Where'd Even you come from? Even though it's like you know, yeah, five <laughs> miles, ten miles. I mean, we were hating each other. <laughs> That's how bad it was. Like, you know, my best friend, I wanted to fight my best friend every day for, for trying to underpaddle me. You know what I mean? Like, for real. You know, it was like, it was like that, you know, but like, um, but not really. But yeah, it was like that, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, stories for days on that, on that subject. But that was a different time. And I think what's beautiful about all of it is for the most part, everyone loved the ocean, loved the community, loved the spirit of you know activation and being connected with the natural world in the ocean and how that flowed and that's the thing that really was driving the yeah. crew it was know? like yeah. your parents like lifestyle but in a beach setting you yeah. know like everybody you know it's kind of hippie-ish but you know everybody's just like down to earth that you know like everybody that's at the beach whether it's a fisherman yeah. they're there because it's a lifestyle it's a lifestyle it's yeah. a livelihood for some but it's like yeah. that's where they chose you know it's yeah. pretty cool no so I, did, I did you that. try to do any contests yeah, I did a bunch of, yeah, so I did all the WSAs, you know, nice. I did all the CSAs too, and um, always got into the invitationals and would come down here and do, I do Malibu, I do Huntington and surf against, you know, all, all of our friends, you know, um, and, and that was always really exciting. And so I always, 
I always got in a position where I was like, okay, this I could make a go at this, you know. And at that point, it really wasn't what it is now, or even what it was ten or fifteen or twenty years ago. You guys remember? It was like, I don't know if there was any money involved. It was just like sponsors, you know, back then, the eighties, right, the late eighties, early nineties. And then it became, you know, I I got out of that stuff way before it even became something to really consider. But um, I think I just loved it so much, and I loved the spirit of competition. Yeah. But well, also, were you sponsored? Did you get sponsored? I, I was. So my sponsors then was um, BJC. BJC over here. was sponsored totally. So yeah. I think it was uh, Victory Wetsuits. Sick. And then it became Alita. Do you remember when Alita was on Main Street? There yeah. was like a headquarter there. This is I'm going back though. This is like probably Law wrote for Alita. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wrote for Victory too. Victory yeah. was Greg Wade was part of owner in the Robert August you know yeah. uh, shop. So they had it was like back then before the clothing and everything really took yeah. off. It was yeah just boards wetsuits and wetsuits and, and some accessories. But yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, if you had a victory wetsuit, you could you could yeah. get the custom oh, colors they, they, and we, yeah. We, yeah, you could custom panel and yeah, I had get the giant logos. Yeah, dude, I was so stoked. The logos were the big thing because you yeah. were like, oh, I put logos wherever I want, you know, and colors. So I had like an electric blue body with like a. Hot pink top was that first front. You were wearing paint. bright colors up there. Oh, it was Pacifica. Yeah, and I was going for it, and then you know zinc all over the face. Like it was 1980, <laughs> you know, four whatever it was. Yeah, I was totally, totally, you know. Yeah, I wanted to stand out for sure, yeah. for sure. And you, your buddies were doing that too. Uh, no, 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 I was doing it. No, like, I think I was doing it, but maybe there was a couple guys doing it. Yeah. Were you traveling with some other guys competing, or just kind of like not in the way that they did today? I was <laughs> yeah. like, I'd come down to Southern California and did like the Invitationals, and yeah. that was about the extent of it, you know. And That's then, cool. and then I ended up moving down here, but just really quickly because I got to talk about the sponsors. Also, Mango. Yeah, yeah, that was. Victory yeah. and Mango were hand in hand. Stylized. Stylized. I kind yeah. of wrote for Mango. <laughs> yeah. Dude, Mango yeah. was awesome. Dude, Mango I, was cool. Yeah, yeah. You wanted I, that laminate on your board. Oh yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that was also Greg Wade's. He had the licensee to, to um, yeah uh, sell that. My brother wrote for him. I would the smallest they went down to is twenty eight men small, and I had to have my mom bring in like two inches on the the, the pants and every, shorts and everything because they were wow. too big. I'm like, so can you hit me so I can make, I can fit, I'm sponsored, but nothing fits me. Yeah. Because I was such a little grown. I love it. Astro yeah. deck. The whole, you know, the whole, yeah. I, had the, I, had, I had the setup. I was pretty stoked. So yeah. you were like, in. I was primed. Yeah, you I was like set up for it. Southern California, though. Like, so I was in NorCal then. So, for, so I was like a know, NorCal you're, you're prospect. Look, you're looking. But your, my look was yeah. definitely SoCal. You know, I, I, I love like. boards were you writing? Um, MB, Michael Barron. MB out of Half Moon Bay. I don't yeah. know if you know him. Oh, no, he's Half Moon Bay? Yeah, Michael Barron. Well, because he moved down south, No, no, right? he actually might have been... So, okay, so this is a trip. I think he's actually... Is he a San Diego yeah. guy? But I think his boards... So Half Moon Bay, Miramar Surf Shop was the main surf shop up where I grew up. Like, that's Half Moon Bay. And so the only boards that they carried were MBs. Okay. But you're right. They were shipped from San Diego. Yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah, MBs. Boothy wow. actually yeah. wrote... So that was, that was the shop you guys kind of grew up in? Or Miramar like, Surf Shop. Miramar. Yeah, that was the only shop for the longest time. Then... Um, you know, after I moved to LA, some of the boys that I grew up with started Nor- NorCal Surf Shop, which cool. is in Pacifica, which is oh, kind yeah. of the big surf shop up there. It's called NorCal. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, your friend started that. Yeah, Sean Rhodes, the guy, same guy who taught me how to surf. Oh shit! And really? then my next door neighbor, Greg Saban. It's eleven eleven, by the way. Make yeah. a wish. I love that number. Yeah. Thank you. There it is. It's <laughs> a good number. <laughs> I just popped up. I just that, saw it. Yeah. That, that's usually the last number I see before my eyes pass out at night. Like I just, if I make it 11, 11, I'm out. No. That's the portal right there. It yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny you just brought that up. Yeah, it's just, I just, ironic. just called to me. I was like, boom. And my, my, my son says that too. Dad, every time I look at the clock, it's 11, 11. Mm-hmm. JJ so my, says that? Yeah. 
What a trip. I know. It's a portal to connection. It's awesome. It's a reminder. So we're always connected. So how did you? What, was it your passion to get into acting? And you know, you said models. Hold yeah. on. I know, but like this is legit. Yeah. Yeah. This is this around the same same time that you know he's. Yeah. But we haven't. No. We're talking surfing still. Before we can bounce back and forth. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Go. 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 Yeah. So, so Michael Barron. Yeah. MP. Victory wetsuits. How, mm-hmm. how are you doing in the competition? Good. I'm I'm placing in the top three every time. Sick. Every time, which was great. I was stoked. Sometimes I get first, and you know, often I was like third or fourth, but like I was in. You'd the, make finals every time. Wow. Yeah. And I'd be stoked because in the mags, but in the mags, you know, they feature that stuff. Remember that? They don't do that anymore. Contest mags. Yeah. Right, but even oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, you would do it all. You you would do all those cutouts, or you you laminate the pages and and highlight it, and then go into your portfolio. The, all the local reps, okay. the local reps. So Ron Depp, I don't know if you know that name, but Ron Depp mm. was like the local rep. He was the only guy repping action sports, and then it wasn't called action sports, it was just surfing, right? Yeah. Um, and so he was the guy at Miramar Surf Shop that basically was the rep for victory, for the boards, for the leashes, all the things. And so he knew all the people in Southern California, and then he would just, you know, he would look for the local talent. And I was, you know, I was consistently yeah. one of those guys. And yeah, so, Shop Flow Grom, yeah, that, you know. Yeah. Has does the contest? Were yeah. they were they picking up contest fees? Or yeah, anything? totally. Yeah, it was all taken care of, and you so know, cool. I was getting the mentorship. I mean, it was really I, I had a decision to make. It wasn't like you know, I, you know, it was it, it was a little isolated. Like I think that maybe it was really up to me, but I had some mentors. But then it's not like today where you have people who really get involved and have that conversation with you now, right? Like if I see somebody and that's my zone is to kind of nurture somebody, I'm going to say, hey, buddy, you know, I think there's a real go with this. Are you yeah. in? You know, people do that now. I love that, yeah. right? didn't really exist back then. No, no. You were kind of on your own. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why I think our generation really feels the called to nurture the next generation in that way because we all wanted that, right? And so we have an opportunity to kind of big brother people along and get and mentor, which is meaningful and important. Yeah. You know? And, and yeah. almost every aspect of life in business and sport mm-hmm. and everything. I mean, that's how you pay it forward, but also give back and, you know, yeah. make yourself feel good, I guess. Yeah. Totally. Rewarding. Reward. Yeah. Yes, 100%. So, this is our this is our way of giving back again. I'm, I'm loving this. This is great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're, we're giving back. So stoked. Yeah. <laughs> so when did the modeling thing start happening? So the modeling thing happened, you know, around the same time. So basically, I was always looking for the opportunity to get me into acting. I knew when I was so much what, younger. What, what uh, yeah. Yeah. So when when I when I was younger, even when I was living in San Francisco, I loved going to the movies. My mom turned me on to movies. I think she took me to to uh, Star Wars was probably the first movie I saw in the theaters in 1977. Then I saw Rocky Ooh, in the theaters so in San Francisco, and I was just like, oh, "Are you kidding me?" I'm so emotionally connected and drawn to that, like get me on that screen inside. Feel good movie. That, yeah, the just called to century. it. Like, I'm like, oh, this is amazing. There's something very powerful. And then TV kind of came on the, you know, TV like really kind of fired up in the 80s, right? Like we, started, we oh, watched a lot so of TV so many sitcoms that started launching. Yeah. yeah. But like, so I would sit down and watch TV nightly with my mom and that would be the thing that I would do with my mom. We'd love to just kind of just hang out and like, you know, get into these cool TV programs. And I really fell in love with TV. And, you know, while surfing and everything, I was always sort of like... I really want to be a TV and film actor, like not because it's cool, but because like something really does call to me. Um, I just feel a kindred sort of thing, and there's 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 a purpose inside that experience. I don't know what it is yet, but I feel like if I can get inside that 
experience. There's something meaningful there for me, but also for others. Yeah. So it was very cathartic before I even knew what cathartic was. Yeah. And so I took that. What is cathartic? Cathartic is like you, you have an experience and you learn and grow and you give forward with flow as a result. Got you know? It. It's it's you know, there's a takeaway, something that you've learned, and it's cathartic because it releases something that might have been stuck. It allows you to repurpose that energy and go forward in a meaningful, healthy way. It's cathartic. Learn something new. Learn something on the show every day. <laughs> it's really a good feeling. Yeah. You know, we but all, you're we I mean, so you found that watching the shows with your mom, you're like, you know, you're not just being entertained, you're actually like Diving into what these act, you know actors are actually, and he, he love the story. He kind so. of got into it early, like you're still in San Francisco. I was 14 years old when I got into acting. Yeah. yeah. So just to, to kind of come back and answer this uh, modeling question. So basically, my best friend, my next door neighbor, Greg Saban, who's co-owner of NorCal Surf Shop, um, whose father was a fireman and he was destined to be a fireman, said to me one day. I met a modeling agent who approached me, said I should model. I don't want to model. I know you want to be an actor. Do you want to follow up on this lead? Just wow. pretend you're me. You're kidding me. No. And so I'm like, yeah. Because that was my, you know, I'm, I'm a small town. Yeah. NorCal. It's 1984, He's like, I don't want that, but I know you do. I'm like, yeah, dude. I'm like, okay, but we should do it together. It'll be fun. And so anyway, um, the long story short is it was a modeling school. So it's kind of a little bit like, eh, you know, it's a school. They're kind of just pulling anybody in, the, you know, with, in, enticing you with the idea that you might be a model. It's a yeah. modeling and finishing school. But I was yeah. like, I don't care. I don't even know it. I have no perspective on it. The word modeling, to me, leads to acting. And so I'm in, I'm in NorCal. It's 1984. I'm a freshman in high school. I'm surfing. I love surfing. And I'm like, all right, I got I to gotta explore this. So I called the number, signed up for the thing, convinced my neighbor to do it also because he had a car and I didn't. And so we would drive every Wednesday to a modeling and finishing school. And we'd do three hours of, of finishing school wow. and then tapered off with some like, you know, how to walk, how to sit, how to do all the things. Right. And then at the end of the six months, uh, and really quickly, my parents had like $600 saved for my college tuition. <laughs> and I was like, can I have that $600 to pay for this modeling and finishing school? And it was like a big conversation. My yeah. mom's like, are you sure? Because that's all the money we have for your college. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to college. So it's 600 bucks, you know, yeah. Yeah, give me the money. I said, I'll pay you back. I said, I'll give you the 600 plus 10% because I was very entrepreneurial then, yeah. you know, yeah. the previous stories, the Black Widows, all the things. I said, within six months, I'll pay you back plus 10%. Wow. My guarantee to you. So here's where the story goes. Give me six months. Oh, so here's where the story goes. So basically, I went to modeling and finishing school. At the end of it, there was like a showcase. Uh, a couple agents came in, you know, who knows if they were legit or what the deal was, if they pick anybody, if anything really happens. But it so happens that the owner of the most, you know, prestigious modeling agency at the time, City Models, Toya Models and Talent became City Models. Paul Nelson comes in and he sees me and he sees my friend and he likes us out of the whole group of like 25 people that were graduating this program. And uh, so they sign us. And now, now I've got an agent. And it's so crazy. Yeah, and it turns out they're legit. They're not just some like, you know, outside yeah. the experience, like, yeah, we'll try to do the best we can kind of thing, but first you have to pay this. It was like they paid for everything. You know, they groomed me, got my hair colored, the whole thing, right? And I was a kid, I was 15 years old. Got shot pictures, did the whole thing. Got into catalog work almost immediately. And I was making like 500 bucks a day doing catalog work. For like JC Penney's and like, or the, what Mervin's, kind of catalog? Macy's, Mervin's, yeah. JC Penney, and I do the like the Macy's Passport uh, fashion show once a year and do the whole thing. Did wow. GQ, went to Paris, went to Were Japan. Your the whole tripping? thing. tripping? So I paid that money back, like, you know, it was like, I just, I remember, so I paid him back plus a 10%, and then I started paying the mortgage on the house. That's epic. What? But can we backtrack a second here? Yeah. So. As I was in high school. You, 
your friend <laughs> in San Francisco. What's your friend's name? Greg Saban. Okay, Greg says you should do this, and you talked him into doing it. Yeah. And you find out it costs money. Yeah. How much did it cost? Six hundred bucks. Yeah. <laughs> Six hundred bucks. Yeah. You borrow the money. Uh huh. You 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 sign up your first day of class. Yeah. Well, I remember the first day. Okay. I took the bus to San Francisco from Pacifica. Wow. I had these plastic glasses that had those. Uh, remember the remember those uh, shutter shades? Yes. That came back recently. Yeah. The original shutter shades. I don't know why I was wearing these stupid glasses, but I had these glasses that had the shutters on them. And I was just like trying to be fashionable because I was going to my first day of modeling. <laughs> got to look so look. Had the coif like hair, you know. It was you know it was nineteen eighty four, eighty five, whatever it was. Yeah. So you yeah. you took the bus. To the, was it was it what you expected that first day? I had no idea what to expect. Okay. It was you know went into San Francisco. It was like Union Square, where all the department stores were. High rise buildings. You guys have been to Union Square, San yeah. Francisco. It's really cool. I mean, I haven't been recently, but um, you know, it was really cool. And uh, so it was overwhelming. Walk in, get there. There's pictures of everybody, you know, that's been successful. And I'm just going, oh, that'd be cool if I was that person, that person, that person. And then, you know, you go into these rooms and they have a curriculum. You go from, you know, how to sit at the dining table to how to walk, you know, with a book on your head to how to walk, you know, if you're doing a fashion show to how to be in front of the camera, how to do a photo shoot, all the things, how right? Bad. Yeah. So it yeah, was like, like, it also sounds like dumb. It's so fake. dumb. You know what I mean? I, I know. So don't, don't, yeah. don't take but, but it personal. But like, like when you're a surfer, yeah, when you're a you're a surfer. You're like, oh, so different. That's like my friends what? are like, what that's are you doing? Stupid. My friends had no idea except my my friend Greg, who was also doing it with me. So so at first, people kind of like you're lame. Yeah, right? but. I've what always been finishing school. What is finishing? Like? I've always been fearless, though. I mean, there has to be some fearlessness in everything yeah. we do, right? right. And I think it's like you know to stand at the edge of opportunity, lean yeah. into the way that feels, yeah. jump off the edge, catch yeah. that beautiful life wind, and fly yeah. is to drop down into the pit, right? So yeah. good. Yeah, it's that. That's the vibe. I've always had that. But so, yeah. but it's interesting. You you you're going through this, but your expectations like. I don't know if these people are legit. I don't yeah. know if there's other like this is a real deal. I didn't even Whatever care. you didn't care, you're no. just going yeah. for it. I'm like I'm on my but way. It's six hundred bucks. It's a lot of money. And you know what I mean? Like yeah. when you're when you're eager to break into acting or whatever. Yeah. And you you kind of okay. What what am I gonna learn? What am I gonna do? What am yeah. I paying for? Check this out though. Remember the Coca Cola stuff? Two seventy five yeah. turned into eight nine bucks. So I'm like, if I invest six hundred, I know I'm gonna make yeah tenfold. But Same. many people that, don't. There's not that. very many people that think the way you. I invested in myself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that's insane. You have to. Right? But like, yeah. But like, going back to that, fourteen-year-old or fifteen-year-old. Yeah. Wait, I gotta walk and around with walk. a on my head. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, it was all part of it, and it was like, all right, there's there's a point to it, but I also had fun with it. Yeah. Which I think kept me loose in that tight space. And so that was the thing that I think ultimately like uh, appealed to the agents. They're like, "All right, this guy can do the thing, but make it his." Yeah. But yeah. So you, your friend Greg got signed too. He also got signed. He also had success. We both killed it in the in the catalog modeling thing. But ultimately, he became a fireman because his dad was a fireman. He's like, you know, I maxed out. I did this. I was successful. And I don't want to do it anymore. Wow. I'm gonna be a fireman. So he like crushed fire retired wife fireman retired like you know had a beautiful life you know yeah. so stoked for him yeah, yeah. in a, in a weird a way I, I could have gone that way too and easily been so, so okay with that you know but I, I'm I a gypsy think, do you yeah. think that you and your buddy got signed because of of your tan your yeah you're like there was a surf hair color on. the, the yeah. surf vibe yeah was picked up on right? yeah no yeah because you know there's 
there's a there's a, a fitness, but also there is a healthiness with energy that comes along with that. And when you're a young person, yeah. that's attractive. People yeah. want that healthy, that fit, that yeah. that's attractive. And so yeah, that was my brand at the time. Yeah. You know, but it was organic. Yeah, you're just you. Yeah. But- other people who try to aspire to look like that or do like you know it's like they you know you, they could read through that I think yeah the, the two you, you're trying have, too hard versus you just that's this is who I am that's, yeah. that's what's thing that's one thing that I'd like to point out about like how you got you, you kind of got a break yeah right oh, you yeah. got a break big break you got you're graduating this legit that led to point break yeah legit <laughs> legit agency yeah, yeah. that pick you and your friend out of this group yeah. of however many 25 yeah yeah like why you two right right yeah and it's because you surfed I, most I likely believe, no no it, it absolutely is absolutely part of it yeah. I mean a massive part of it yeah um, 100% because you know no doubt every other surfer that I knew after I had some success that was part of the crew yeah. also you know wanted to try to do the same thing I did yeah. some had some success and some just didn't pursue it yeah. but I think the heart wants what the heart wants and so consistency right practice and application practice right. makes progress and yeah. then you actually have to stay in, in, in the work um, leads to leads to this moment it's funny because yeah. we're gonna I'll, I'll bring up a couple people we've already interviewed right yeah Ted Robinson mm-hmm. Buzzy Kerbox yeah yeah Buzzy Strider mm-hmm. like all these guys yeah. had modeling experiences totally right and they're all nonchalant about it you know what I mean it which, wasn't which like it wasn't their the look their personality whatever but it, it none of, none of it's, them it's the no it's like surfing comes first yeah. it's yeah. that kind of vibe that really and that's what's that's kind of funny. That's the appeal. Yeah, that's the appeal. The nonchalantness yeah. of their, you know, eagerness doesn't show. Right. Right? So that's the funny thing about... Playing hard to get. Playing hard to get is attractive, right? Right. And it's not really playing hard to get. It's just like... that. You have other passions. Yeah, Surfing other... is their first interest. Totally. Yeah. Like, and But that totally helps them more valuable because the, the the people that are choosing are like why is this guy not like it's such an know? interesting point because that creates balance yeah in the in the ecosystem of your energy so when you're all into one side of things right too much of one thing is too much of one thing yeah. and that shows some desperation and that energy actually you know it turns seems, people off yeah. right so if you balance your energy because they're spreading in in equal parts where you have multiple interests but you're able to balance the energy so you're not, you know, you're not doing, you're not burning yourself out in any one thing, then people are drawn to that, not turned off by that. Yeah. And I think that is a really good platform to build success in anything you want to do in life. And Always balance. play hard to get. <laughs> Always play hard to get. Always play that's hard it. to get. Always yeah. play. Yeah. So that's Fine. rad. So, so I got a commercial. You get it. This is what, this gets into acting. So I got a commercial in San Francisco. And it was, I booked a commercial, and then it got me into the Screen Actors Guild, which is a really hard thing to do for anybody who even lives in Los Angeles. You can spend years and not do a union job, a Screen Actors Guild union job. And I got one in San Francisco. And, wow. and to break that down for people, you got to have a, a certain amount of time. camera time, but lines. You got to, yeah, right? Yeah, like, it's got to be, you have to have a speaking part on speaking camera, part. and then it's got to be a union. It's got to be a union job. So I booked uh, Marriott's Great America commercial for a new ride. It was the top, top Gun. The movie was in the theaters, and they were doing a ride that was simulating, you know, the movie, the original Top Gun, not the new one. But do you, do you have this? I have it. Oh, yeah, sick. yeah. It's on my Instagram. <laughs> uh, it's classic. 
But uh, I'm, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a 15 year old kid in it, and it's great. Um, Do you want to go on this ride? Yes, sir. Do you sure? Are you cut out for this? Yes, I am. So you know that kind of thing. Yeah. So literally, I, I wasn't even aware that doing that job put me in a position to actually be in television and film. But in retrospect of the job, I got a notice from the Screen Actors Guild saying, "Welcome to the Screen Actors Guild." Wow. And I was like, "Oh, I guess I, you know, I did. This is great. This is exactly where I want to be." Can you tell us how you booked this job? Like, do do the agency through the modeling agency? They, I think, what they did. I, I don't know if I had an audition. I must have had an audition. I think most of it was modeling. Once in a while, they'd send me out on a commercial audition, and I think I walked in and did what they needed me to do in front of the camera, and I booked it. Um, you know, now, wasn't anything did you special. Have very many like uh, disappointments or like not being chosen and no well at that point I had only probably a handful of auditions uh, it, uh, commercial auditions at that point so I was really new to the commercial yeah. auditioning circuit but I was pretty good at it I guess you know and, yeah. and so I was doing like Twix commercials and Reebok commercials and you know the but your very great, first one was the Marriott one Marriott yeah Marriott's Great America so yeah once you get a big one like that then people want it, to start working it wasn't even a big one it was just Marriott's Great America you right. know but it got me in the union which put me in a position to audition for more union commercials so the bigger ones were like Reebok I did the I did the Twix commercial the one the Fer remember Ferris Bueller's Day Off yeah. the original Ferris Bueller so I did the um, don't don't oh yeah yeah, yeah. that Twix commercial yeah so I'm the kid in that one right so like there's that Dang. back in there the, the Reebok ones with the Reebok shoes I did Turbo Graphics, which was a video game console thing that was supposed to be bigger than Xbox before Xbox came out, and then it kind of Xbox so you came out. Quickly and had success. Quickly had success, but so it went from the modeling to commercials and modeling, and then literally I was 17 years old, had another year of high school to finish, and I was already you know making a good living and basically you know planning my move to Los Angeles. So that's where the LA story begins, okay. really. Okay. So crazy. <laughs> yeah. So like what what how lucky of, is he though? Like, I mean pretty lucky. Yeah. yeah. So what kind yeah. of like you're saying you're paying for your parents' mortgage, which again probably isn't much and you're killing it, but like what is a commercial like what were the residuals back then? What were you I think I was making more money doing modeling because my rate was five hundred dollars a day mm. as a um, but the commercial the commercial stuff was like I don't know, it was like twenty five hundred dollars for the yeah. initial payout and then there was residuals. So yeah, you get another sure. twenty five hundred, another Seventeen fifty, another seventeen fifty, and it would you know just kind of get these little chunks of money that would come in after the usage, after the so runs great. of these things. Yeah, and but you know I'm young. I'm yeah. really young. I'll have you know I did a Levi's commercial. I totally love that and believe that. I always wanted to do a Levi's commercial. Levi's. The one that Spike Lee did. Remember those? Oh yeah. The unbutton your fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in one of those. The those beach, black the and white. And, were they black and white? Mm, some of them were. Okay. I think ours was color though. Okay. Yeah. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. You worked with Spike Lee. Yeah, it was a weird one. That's rad. I'll tell you after the the interview, but it yeah, was, it's not about Lyndon. Yeah, like <laughs> it's not about you, bro. It, it, was, it was kind of crazy because it was. I'll tell you later. Yeah. Okay. But okay, so tell me anytime. Yeah. So yeah. seventeen years old. Yeah. You're you're gonna drop out of high school? No. So so okay. I'm gonna finish high school because because that was important to me. I wanted to finish high school. So um, but I was on like, this work furlough thing where basically like I could be at school as often as I needed to, and I had this thing worked out with my counselor where they knew I was working. It was legit. I just had to fill out these waivers and turn them in and, yeah. and show them that I was actually working. And so it was legit, but I was barely at school. Yeah. I mean, I was barely at school my senior year, but I, I walked, I graduated, I did the whole thing. Um, you know, C minus average, didn't matter. I had my career mapped out, but it does matter, folks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it really yourself. Does. Yeah, for real. 
Um, it, it's, you know, we learn so much in our observation of life, right? Yeah. And so in retrospect, um, you know, it doesn't matter. All roads lead to this moment. Anyway, um, so I, I had met, so my best friend and neighbor, Greg Saban, this guy's lucky. He got, he got scouted because he was also modeling by this um, L.A. publicist who represented Johnny Depp, C. Thomas Howell, uh, bunch, um, who else did he have? He had C. Thomas Howell, Charlie Sheen, Depp, um, Nicole Eggert, a bunch of people that he represented that in 1987 were very famous. Yeah. You know, yeah. Depp was on 21 Jump Street yeah. and Charlie Sheen was in you know, his They're prime for a real weird. Yeah. And it was like, oh, okay. So anyway, so what happened was this guy, Jeff Ballard, my friend still today, calls Greg and says, hey, I saw you in this ad. Have you ever thought about acting? And scouted him for acting. I'm like, let me call back. Let me call the guy back, and you know, I'll say that I'm yeah, I'm the same <laughs> yeah. thing I did with the modeling. Yeah, because he didn't want to do it. He's like, yeah, I don't really want to do it. This guy, you yeah, know, called me, and he's like, but I got a number if you want to call him, because then you'll do it. So I call. Did you owe Greg a lot? I owe Greg a lot. Yeah, I really do. I really do. So I call Jeff, <laughs> and I go, hey Jeff, my name's Bo. Um, I was calling myself Bo at the time. This is Bo. I'm all. I'm Greg's friend. This is not Greg. I'm Greg's friend. I'm his next door neighbor. I also model, but I really want to be an actor. Like I'm really dedicated to it. Can yeah. you look at me? Will you look at me? Can we talk? Yeah. And he liked the conversation. Of he's like, all right, send me a picture and a resume. So I remember I typed one up on a computer resume, just made one up, all my print work and commercial stuff and whatever, and it was terrible. Stapled it together, sent to him, and maybe a month later. He, he writes back and says, okay, call me again. He mails me. Like two months go by and it's a whole mail thing, call right? Me. That's yeah. a yeah. long time to wait. Yeah. Oh my God. Call me. And so I called him. He goes, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to, he's if you're down, if, you, if you're into it, I'll pay for you. I'll, I'll, I'll buy a flight. You'll come to Burbank. You'll stay with me for three, four days and I'll show you around town, meet some people. And I was like, wow. Okay. But I'm 16 years old. So it's kind of like an inappropriate deal. Yeah. I'm like 16, this guy, but I'm like, I'm all in, I'm going for it. I've got, I've been around adults. I'm doing my, my whole life. I've been like, you know, just throwing myself into it yeah. just figuring it out. So I go down, I see him become friends. He introduces me to all the people, you know, the first guy I meet when I roll up to his house, cause he picks me up from the airport is C Thomas Howell, you know, Tommy Howell, pony boy from the yeah. outsiders is sitting in his BMW in front of Jeff's house. On, a, on the first mobile phone I ever saw, the bricks, the car phone with the big yeah, brick yeah. you can take out. The antenna off the back window. Yeah, he's talking on his phone. I'm like, what is he doing? He's talking on a phone in the car. I was like, oh, I'm in L.A. This is great, you know, 1987. And uh, so he takes me to The Tonight Show. I meet Jay Leno. I go to uh, some taping of a show called um, Head, Head, Head of the Class. or Head. Um, yeah. Remember Head that show? Class, yeah. Head of the Class. I meet um, most of the cast. Brad Pitt is guest starring that week. I meet Brad before Brad's ever Brad, right? This is before Thelma, Thelma and Louise. Yeah, before Thelma and Louise. Yeah. Um, and I have this great experience. I, I fly back home. He's like, look, if you finish your year of high school, but if you decide to come back, you've got a mentor, you've got support. And he just showed me the ropes. I was like extra confidence. Like I was going to do it anyway. So I went back home, finished school, but I also planned like my approach. And so I knew that so I was going to find an apartment, the whole thing. This, yeah. that, expedition was just to kind of show you yeah this is what it would be like if you were here yeah kind of like how serious are you this is what it's like dangling like can you handle this yeah are you cut out because he's a big wig he's a big publicist yeah but it's you know again he saw something in me he liked that i was proactive and took the number and said hey look at me instead Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah so there was this like okay this kid's actually got some effort and some consistency and some fearlessness and some talent I'll, I'll help this kid out. I'll help him get going. And so he did. 
and that was great. So when I moved to LA, you know, I had I had him to call on, but I just put myself into acting class at that point. And there's another great story. I mean, related to that, my my dad had a uh, a friend, Mike Brown, who was a fellow musician. Who um, his dear friend was Stella Adler. So Stella Adler is like a, like one of the most renowned actors, acting coaches of all time. And I didn't know who it was when he told me that, hey, I've got a friend, you need to look her up and you need to study with, if you're gonna be an actor, you need to go study with Stella. And so I had her number and I called her and said, hey, you know, Mike Brown put me in touch with you, I'm gonna move to LA, I wanna be an actor, you know, will, will you coach me? And she's like, Brad. yes, but I'll commit to coaching you when you're here. Call me when you're here, it was a test. Call me when you're here. Because, you know, maybe I'd move, maybe I wouldn't. Is she wasting her time with somebody who says he wants to be an actor? Yeah. You know, when you move to L.A. and you show me that you moved to L.A. to be an actor, then I'll coach you. And she's renowned. Like, you yeah. know, like if you, if you look her up, renowned. Like in my, so I get there, and I'm studying with Stella. And in my, in my class at the time, in 1987, 88, Benicio Del Toro, Mark wow. Ruffalo, um, a few other notables, but those are the most notable, me and a bunch of people that I've probably forgotten about. But... Um, had an incredible experience for about six months with Stella, and at the same time, I met this other woman, Shelley Winters, who's a two-time Academy Award winner, yeah. actress, and also coaching Big at time. the Actors Studio. So, the Actors Studio and Stella Adler's Conservatory Theater were two different approaches to acting. One was conservative, one was very like progressive. And I was having some odds, you know, some conflict with Stella. And I met Shelly at a time where she really kind of spoke to me in the way that I needed to be, you know, I needed to be called in a direction that allowed me to, the freedom to express myself. So basically, I left Stella and went to Shelly and became a member of the Actors Studio, which is a really hard thing to do. There's only like 92 lifetime members of the Actors Studio, including Crazy. James Dean and Marlon Brando and wow. you know, Mickey Rourke and a few others, and I'm one of them. Awesome. 92 in the world right now. You can look it up, and it's like it's a really it's a hard tight, so, tight crew. Yeah, yeah. So um, so I defected and went to her, and this was this was before I had really done any acting on screen. So I got lucky again. So now I'm with the best coaches. Left one amazing all time. You know, like a Kelly Slater of acting coaches to go to another Kelly Slater of acting coaches. Yeah and had no idea who they were. I literally just vibed and went with Shelly, and then she mentored my career and got me in a position to really win some meaningful TV and film stuff. Yeah. And that got me basically into position to start auditioning you know, for, for great stuff, and it led to, to some small roles, in point, uh, small roles in TV, but then ultimately Point Break becomes you know, the pivotal piece of my storytelling. Yeah. So, so crazy. Yeah. So first, uh, you're 17, you move down, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Who'd you, did you move in with somebody or did you move in on yeah. your own? So at the modeling agency, they represented athletes too. And so uh, my agent goes, all right, so you're quitting modeling. I'm like, yeah. He's like, why don't I set you up with our affiliate in LA? I'm like, no, I don't want to be a model anymore. Like, cause I never wanted to be a model. He's yeah. like, are you sure? Cause you got a pretty good career. Like you're yeah. just going to yeah, turn you're your back on. Yeah, good success. Like why wouldn't you? It's and it's extra money to get you along. Sounds smart, right? right? But, I, but I was like, no, I'm good. <laughs> I don't need the agent. He's like, are you sure? He's like, I'm going to set it up anyway. So if you want to like check in with him, you know, and, and let him know that you're in LA and you want to go on auditions and go sees for commercials and print, whatever, then you still can. I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. He's like, but there's another guy that we represent. This guy, Scott Leet, but he's an athlete, but he also wants to be an actor. And he wants to move to LA. 
He's the punter for the Dallas Cowboys. Wow. At the time. And so, uh, so they meet, so they introduced me to Scott, and Scott's, you know, Scott is Scott. Scott's a really, really talented guy, but he was an athlete turned entertainer. And, um, and so he's like, I'll be your roommate, but I can't, I can't make it down there for six months because I'm in training camp. He's like, but I'll pay, I'll pay the rent for six months. Wow. So I went down, scouted it, and he's like, so he paid the rent. We had the apartment, and I've got the apartment for six months. By yourself. Rent free by myself. At 17. 17, 17 years old. My roommate's a punter for the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> where, where, where was the apartment like located? Like, in Sherman Oaks. Sherman yeah, Oaks. Okay. On so. Hazeltine in this really cool like 1970s kind of bungalow situation with banana trees. A very tropical. Melrose place. Yeah, very Melrose place. <laughs> very, very Melrose place. And so I'm there, and so basically I'm there, and I get my first job because I don't want to model. I get my first job as a receptionist at the Sports Connection, which was like these. Um, you know, health clubs for celebrities who played tennis and worked out and like had smoothies, very 80s kind of thing. And I'm the so receptionist. Yeah. You <laughs> forego modeling to... To get a real job. To get a real job. You wanted to feel that. That, that would pay you minimum wage. I wanted to feel that. <laughs> I wanted to feel that. I had never felt that before. I wanted to feel you that. you never had a real job. I had a couple real jobs, but I always quit them as soon as other things started happening. Like I worked at Domino's Pizza for a month. I was a busboy for a couple months. I was, you know, room search for a couple months. I had paper routes. I, I you know, I had all the things, but yeah. like I flowed where where I felt I wanted to and what, what what was making the most money, but also what was the most fun making the most money. Yeah. Not just money. It was like fun and money. Modeling's pretty fucking fun. fun. That was funny. Fun. He's got money. funny money now. <laughs> well, so so what happened was. Um, I, I wanted to I wanted to feel that job. Also, I wanted to meet people. So, like this place, I was the I was the receptionist. Everyone came through me. So, I strategy all the TV stars, all the film stars would come in, check in with me. So, I was building relationships yeah. and exposing myself to TV people, writers, directors, yeah. showrunners. Name the face. You came up with this idea yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, in 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 the proximity of where I live, like where would people go on a daily basis? A lot of people do. They try to get a, bar or a bartender or a waiter job at right. some of the like really fancy restaurants because yeah. Yeah. it's another way to but yeah. marketing. Receptionist is like not that dreamy of a job. It's, it's not, not that dreamy of a job, but you Smart. interact. They yeah. have to interact with you to get into the place. And it was the 80s and yeah. fitness was happening. It was very robosized kind of vibe, right? And so like I was, you know, robosized. Health, but it was. It was very, you know, it was yeah. very like leg warmers and the whole thing and like tennis club and the whole thing. And, and so I knew that if I put myself there, I'd make a little money. I'd see some people. I'd be in the mix. I could work out. And it was kind of a perfect little thing for me while I was studying acting. So that's where I met Shelly Winters who came in. I was introduced to her and we had frozen yogurt and the whole thing. And then she pulled me into the actor studio but also that's where I met my best friend at the time this guy Rainbow Borden and Rainbow Borden is an actor and an artist his mom was the script supervisor on Married with Children the TV show so they were in season two of Married with Children so Rainbow's best friend was David Faustino who played Bud Bundy on the show yeah. so I quickly became really good friends with Rainbow and, and David Faustino oh there they are alright so David Faustino now is my, my new best friend with Rainbow Borden and I'm, I'm running with these guys while he's on the show we're like hanging out and like it's the you know it's Married with Children it's the first TV show on this new network called Fox Yeah, Fox wasn't a network until then their first show yeah, they introduced the network was Married with Children the second one is The Simpsons nice. and and it was an instant success. Instant much, right? success. Yeah, yeah. Ten years, ten seasons. Married with children. I mean, you know, and, and uh, the Simpsons obviously still going crazy. 
Um, so now I'm in this like really interesting friend circle with all these really wonderful but very workingly TV and film actors that are just a couple years younger than me, but I'm really like inside the Hollywood experience. Yeah. All my friends are like Alyssa Milano, David Faustino, Brian Austin Green, Baltazar Getty, you know, all, all these kids that were growing up, Soleil Moonfry was Punky Brewster, like all these wonderful young actors who were famous for doing what they love to do. And, know, and, and all of a sudden I'm inside that group and I'm a couple years older than them, but they're all coming to my apartment because I'm the only one in the friend group that's got a place outside their parents' house. Wow. And so they're all <laughs> converging on my apartment that's prepaid by my my new roommate who I've only met a couple times who's the punter for the Dallas Cowboys. But you're only like 18. I'm 17. Oh, you're 17. I'm 17. And they're... And they're like 14 and 15. What a yeah. fucking trick. And all their parents are like, we totally trust Big Bo, because yeah. Rainbow was Little Bo, and I was Big Bo, Bo Jesse and Rainbow, so there was Big Bo and Little Bo, and Big Bo, so like, if you go to Big Bo's house, it's all good. And we were totally cool, but they would come to the house, and we would hang out, and we would just, you know, have fun, and we had this wall that we would draw, and if you came into the house, you'd have to contribute to the wall. So it, was, it started with like a, a pencil. A giant pencil that kind of was like an acid, kind of morphing to this thing. Uh, we called the character Dixon Ticonderoga because that's the pencil, you know? And it yeah. was like this character. And from that guy, there was a pencil. And the pencil was to inspire someone else drawing and adding to it. Everyone would come in. And, and by everyone, I mean, you know, everyone that you yeah. can imagine. Leo would come in and draw on the wall. Toby Maguire come in and draw on the wall. You name it. In your apartment. Yeah, because everyone was friends at this time. It did from ages 12 to like 19 years old. Anyone who was anyone in TV and film would come to my apartment, hang out, draw on the wall, drink 40s, and go to some underage like nightclub, you know, or, or, or do <laughs> so whatever. incredible. Yeah. And, and, and so I was running basically, you know, like the, the social club. <laughs> the pre-party club. At the, at the banana bungalow, you know, on Hazeltine, and people were jumping off my balcony into the pool. It was super fun, but it was tame. It wasn't yeah. wild and so crazy. Yeah. It was just, yeah, a lot just of teenager fun. shenanigans. Like but that. it was everybody. Wow. I mean, I mean, everybody. Name and name, I'm sure they were there, kind of thing. And it was so fun and authentic. But that got me into this position to book my first role on TV, which was Married with Children, because I was on the set. Yeah every day with David Faustino and so I, I know I knew all the show creators and the writers and the yeah. cast and everything and one day a role came along and it was sort of right for me and they said Bo you need to read for this it's the role of, of Christine Applegate's boyfriend on the show Mike and so I went in and it was mine to lose and I went in and I booked the role and I became her boyfriend on the show after being her friend first yeah and so, so that was my right. first role in TV and that led to other opportunities in TV and film. And then Point Break came probably six months later. How long did you do the receptionist job? Eh, six months, <laughs> four months. Just long enough to like, meet Shelly Winters, yeah. you know, get into my friend group authentically, not nefariously. Yeah. yeah. But it was all part of like, you know, yeah, if I put myself here, I'll meet some great people yeah. in yeah. the direction. And it, go, and it goes go. from there. Yeah, you're just putting yeah. yourself out there. Yeah. yeah. But it was yeah. fortuitous and smart of, of doing that. Yeah. Because it puts you in the, the prime location. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, you strategically placed yourself in, a, in that position yeah. to meet people that yeah. you needed to meet. Totally. I, I just want to say I had a wall in my house. Uh huh. Remember the wall? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The who's who in surfing that would come to the US Open, the, the, the Surfer Pull Awards, they'd come over and pre party and, and have everybody. And he was saying that. I go, somebody else did that in yeah. the back of my mind. I'm like, 
Yeah, it's all incredible. over. But it was the show's not about late night. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. No, but no, it was cool, and I have to. I'll have to find some photos. Yeah, yeah. That, it was really. You know, people you did some art. Photos. People yeah. just tagged. Like I mean, Bruce, Andy, Rob, yeah, like Shane, Special. Ross, like yeah. a bunch of you know everybody. Dude, those, yeah, cool. I mean, you know, if you could get those pictures blown up and for, like big, for, you know, that's that's what I need to do too. Is like just yeah. because that's a special. It's a, there's great energy on that wall. Yeah, right? definitely. Yeah, and you know, and those are experiences, lifetime that, memories. That I yeah. mean, we're talking to somebody, you, that it's really crazy. All the people that you just mentioned are the who's, the who's who. who of fucking acting yeah. world. And late night here, he just mentioned all the who's who yeah. of, of our the, generation. Of yeah. the yeah. surfing world. Yes. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of funny that it's very serendipitous. Yeah. And back to what we're both we're all surfers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which is really weird because the Hollywood thing, the that's a totally different I've somehow been able to live like uh, in in parallel universes in a yeah. way, right? Yeah. To your point, it's like I've been a surfer through and through, never quit it, and that's a, that's a universe, right? Yeah, we know that, sure. right? And then in this acting universe, it's, it's almost like a parallel universe. But somehow, somehow, in a quantum cool way, we can go there if we want. I've been able to do both at yeah. the same time. So were you surfing this whole time too? Like, yeah, and you were you started surfing where when you lived in the lake? So. I did fall off of surfing for a while when I moved to LA. So it was probably like a couple years. And then I remember hitting a wall, like metaphorically, and saying, Why aren't I surfing? Yeah. Like, I need to surf. Like, you need an outlet. You yeah, need it happens. How many times can, do we know people that like quit surfing that were just like, You're a surfer. Why did you quit surfing? You are. That you, you know, you are a surfer. You're yeah. not trying to. You're you're a surfer, and then they get back and go. I don't know what I was thinking. Like yeah, I yeah. need to get back. And go. I've done that a few times. Yeah. And so I did that when I first got to LA, and then I found it again. I think I found it again when I booked Point Break because I was you know at the ocean every day and I was required to surf and it was like being paid to surf to do a movie. I made the sacrifice to get in a position to make a major motion picture that actually allows me to surf, and that's when I kind of found. A way to do both. Now there's another niche you have because you surf. Yeah. The, well, yeah. also like thinking back on on how successful and monetarily paid you were. You're making good fucking money. Yeah. Like, and you and, and your friend Greg. Yeah. He's a surfer. Yeah. Like, did you guys take your modeling money to go on surf trips? No. Why not? There, I, I mean, the only thing <laughs> right? that people like, did. I'd yeah. be like, hell yeah, yeah but because I was yeah. saving for LA. Okay. That's what when I, I was doing. when I did the. Yeah. Um, Levi's commercial. Yeah, a bunch of my friends were planning a trip to Bali. Yeah, and, and um, I was like, "Now I can go! Now I can go!" But my that. check, the big, uh, yeah, the national the residuals. TV check. Yeah, yeah. The first one came a week after they left uh, Bali. So I was like, "Fuck! I never got to go." Ah. Uh, but anyways, well, I finally went afterwards, but yeah. I didn't get to go on that trip, yeah. which would have been. I think amazing. it's. I think at that time too, at that age, like <clears throat> no one that I knew was really going to Bali so like maybe you went to Kauai yeah right so I had Kauai is popular yeah so like my the, the crew that I grew up with like they were they, they had roots in Kauai so like you, know, you guys know Titus is yeah so like Kinimaka yeah so so I went to high school with his wife and so Robin Stark who married Titus and they you know they have kids and the whole thing um, she was you know in my class uh, my, my graduating class and but everyone would go to Kauai and I always wanted to go to Kauai and never did but I was saving for LA but if I went anywhere, it probably wouldn't have been quiet. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, 
you, you land a big break and get on Married with Children. How, how many episodes is that? I did two episodes. The first episode was with Mila Jovovich. Yeah, she's her first good. acting job ever. She's 14 years old and she's hired to be a model. Like the, it was called Foreign Exchange, and she's the Foreign Exchange student at the Polk High where yeah. Bud, Bud goes and Bud takes her to a, a dance kind of thing. Um, and so I'm working with Mila Jovovich yeah. on her first time. She's yeah. so yeah. She, uh, she's, she also a Resident Evil. Yeah, she's, Resident she's, Evil. Yeah, yeah, like she's you know she's big time. Um, but so then the second episode was with uh, Tiffany Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Do you yeah. know who that is from yep. Saved by the Bell? Before yeah. she got Saved by the Bell, I went um, to school with her brother. Oh, you did? Yeah. yeah. I forget his name now. I okay. never met the brother, but uh, what a trip! Because in retrospect, you look at all these people and you go, "Wow, you know, it's so cool to see everyone grow." But so what happened was in my friend group, after Married with Children, I started, you know, doing a couple guest star things on TV and a couple movies, um, and you know, some smaller things, right? And then Brian Austin Green, who played David Silver on Beverly Hills 90210, curly yeah. dude. Um, no. kind of, yeah, kind of, no, that's oh, Ian yeah, 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 brown hair guy. Yeah. So Brian is one of those younger actors that was on like Knott's Landing and did a bunch of commercials at this time and was like working. He's part of that mix. And he has an audition and it's called Riders on the Storm. Turns out to be Point Break later, but Riders on the Storm, you know, the, the, the door song. And he's like, yeah, I got this audition at the end of the day. It's about surfers who rob banks. I know nothing about surfing. I know that you're a surfer. Will you, wor will you work out the material with me and kind of tell me what some of these things mean? <laughs> And so I'm basically coaching him, you know, informally, yeah. indirectly, directly for this audition. At this so time, you're like, "Fuck this guy! I'm gonna take this! I'm gonna take this!" I'm 17 years old. <laughs> I just did a, you know, some TV. There's a surf movie. I want to be in. My hair's starting to grow long. I've got a beanie. I look very NorCal. I've got the flannel and the shorts, and I'm like, I feel like I look like a NorCal kid who just got out of the water, basically, right? And he's like, "Can you drive my car? It's across town. I'll ride shotgun, and and you know, you just kind of feed me the lines, and we'll work out the lines on the way to the audition." He's the last audition for the day. We get to this place. We go in. I've got his keys in my pocket. I'm sitting on the ground, you know, Indian style, just scrappy dog, 17-year-old kid, hanging out, waiting for him. His keys in my pocket. He goes in, and he was a nail biter. Anytime he's nervous, he's always biting his nails. He's like, hey, bro, what, what, what did he do? What did he say? What did he do? He's like, kind of nervous. So I think he brought that nervous energy into the room instead of that flow that we know to be true about surfing. He, yeah. he wasn't throwing these out. Yeah, he no. wasn't just... No, he wasn't throwing shockers. He was biting nails, uh. right? So he goes in and he comes out and he's biting his nails. And I observed this. I'm going, oh, it didn't go well for him. I could tell his body yeah, line yeah. didn't go well for him. He's the last appointment of the day. He's walking out. I'm on the ground. And the casting director, this guy Rick Pagano, walks out and he goes, are you next? And I said, no. And he goes, are you a sir? Or he goes, are, are you an actor? Not sir. Are you an actor? Goes, yeah. He goes, you're next. Wow. Just like that. Yeah. And so Brian goes, That no. means they haven't they have found this, they what they want. They can't yeah. find the guy. So, so Brian, and you know all the lines because you've been working them out with him. Exactly. <laughs> so, so Brian goes, no, bro, you can't go in. That's this is that's not how it works, bro. You can't do that. Like, it's got to be an appointment through your agent. And he's like talking fast. He's a yeah. fast talker, nail biter. I'm like, don't worry about it, bro. I got this. He's like, you got this. What do you mean you can't take my audition? I walk right by him. I've got his keys in my pocket. So he can't go anywhere. So I just I just go with the flow. Guy says you're next. I'm like, I'm next. Point <laughs> <laughs> break. Yeah. So in the same way that my friend said, hey, I got scouted, and this other guy called me. Yes. This guy says you're next. I'm like. I'm next. Yeah. So I flow. I flow with the opportunity. So I walk in. This is great. I, I almost want to stand for this. Okay, so but I'll sit. So I go into the room, and he goes, let me give you the scene. It's, I got it right here. I go, no need. 
Well, I think I got it. I, go, I think I wasn't cocky about it. Yeah. I think I got it. I was helping Brian on the way here. He's like, really? You think you got it? He's like, okay, a little bit of a test. Like, let's see if this guy's got it, right? Oh, I had it fully committed to memory. Wow. So he's like, all right, sit on this chair. Action. And so instead of sitting on the chair, I stood on the chair. <laughs> Drop down the pit, man. It's 25 feet straight down. Your balls. Your balls are about this big, and the whole thing's fucking roaring, right? Wow. Pushing you forward like, I don't know, man, like you're like you're a hood on a freight chain or something, bro. <laughs> right? Is that so, a lie? Yeah, that's basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just making it up. No, that's a fucking lie. Fucking lie. It's yeah. a campfire scene. Everyone's like, you know, talking about it. it's, oh. a, it's a heavy scene in the movie. Oh, it's a campfire scene. For, for, yeah, for, yeah. for those who are listening, yeah. they will know what that is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and there's more to that scene, but then he goes. Hold on one second, I'll be right back. He walks out of the room, he goes down the hall, he brings back the director, Catherine Bigelow. She walks in the room, she looks at me, I'm still standing on the chair waiting for them yeah, to come back. You have a beanie in the room. on, the beanie, the flannel. I just did this thing, I'm all activated. She comes back in the room and he goes, Do that again. And so I did it again, right? Drop down the pit, man, it's 25 feet straight down. Your balls, bro, your fucking balls are about this big, the whole thing's fucking roaring, right? Pushing you forward like, like you're a hood or a freight train or something, man. You know, like I'm in it and I'm just eye contact and like in it, I'm surfing, like I'm dropping in, I'm feeling that, that you know, that stoke, you're that adrenaline, right? You can surfing. see it, you can feel yeah. it right now. Yeah. And she goes, you're hired. Fuck! That is amazing. <laughs> yeah, hired me on the spot. Oh, that's fucking let me, let me get that. Oh my gosh. That's your 12. That is no, I'm good. A, that's crazy. Um, so it was Brian, what's his name? Bigelow? Brian Austin Green. Oh, Brian Austin Green. So what happened was he was, pissed? So I walk out of the room and I'm smiling all stoked, activated and and he's like, "Bro, that was so effed up, man. You can't do it." I'm all, "I got it." He's all, "No, you didn't. That's not how it works, bro. You get they'll call you, maybe they'll He's like, "You didn't get it." And then the casting director walks out by and goes, I'll see you tomorrow. Wow. And this is he no cell so phones. Pissed, no huh? cell phones, only beepers, right? Yeah. So, uh, so I've got a pager, and my pager's going off, and it's my agent. They're already calling, doing a deal overnight, because I start the next day. Wow. And so they booked me. What, what did your agent say? Like, what, how the fuck did this happen? She goes, yeah. I, what happened? How did you book this? You start tomorrow. You work for 12 weeks. This is the deal. You're going to, you know, tomorrow you meet Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves and all these people. And I was like, oh, wow, this is great. And I hadn't even read the script yet. So, like, I spent all night reading a 200-page script. It should only be 100 pages because, you know, that's traditional 100, 120 pages. So I'm all night reading the script. Whatever I didn't finish, I got there early and was on the ground, same place I was sitting trying to finish the script before they get there. And we started, the f day one was the next day. Within 24 hours of hijacking authentically, my good friend Brian Austin Green's audition, I was working on Point Break the next day with Patrick Swayze, Keanu Reeves, they're all showing, Gary Busey, all showing up for this giant table read. Here comes Swayze. He's already kind of Bodhi, he's morphing into Bodhi. Feet on the table, clipping his toenails on the table in front of everyone, he's fully Bodhi. I'm going, this guy's clipping his toenails on the table? Like, in a, like what is going on? Here comes uh, Keanu, and Keanu did Bill and Ted's and a bunch of like, you know, underground Ice movies, yeah. River's Edge, but nothing major yet. This was his first major kind of like yeah. motion picture kind of thing. And I'm tripping out, there's all these people around this <laughs> table, and here I go. This is exactly where I want to be. I'm in the Dude, movie business. Dude, that is... Yeah phenomenal like yeah. it's mind-blowing how that by chance of you being friends with brian austin green mm -hmm. and just being how does that ride home though oh so the ride home he's like bro 
I'm so pissed. Like, this is crazy. You can't do that. I'm like, well, I mean, it's kind of too late, Brian. And he couldn't do anything because I had his keys. I brought his keys into the yeah. audition, so he had to wait for me and the whole thing. And then, so the ride home was kind of uncomfortable, but I was so stoked it didn't matter. I was like, oh, dude, this is so crazy. Yeah. I start tomorrow. I can't wait to get home and, like, you know, get onto my answer machine and see what's really happening, you know? Yeah. And so after that, though, <laughs> he ends up booking this, a series regular lead on Beverly Hills 90210, and the yeah. rest is history for yeah. him. I mean, yeah. he did well after he did, that. He did well. But, but you were just doing a friend of Solid, trying to help him out, work yeah. his line, drive. Hey. This was nothing malicious. You were just... He was sitting on the fucking just ground. Just doing guy pointed right at him and said, at the right next. time. Yeah. yeah. Are you an actor? Yeah. You're next. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it literally was. It was that quick. Is that called serendipity? Yeah, uh, you know, it's that's called just uh, you know, right place, right time. That's when preparation is on the table. Fucking lines, the Seriously. stars, the, everything just aligned. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically, um, you know, uh, that twelve weeks of work on Point Break that I was commissioned for turned into nine months. Stretched out to nine months because they kept making the movie and kept shooting and kept shooting. James Cameron, the filmmaker, was the executive producer and married to the director, Catherine Bigelow. So it was like I was, he was prepping Terminator 2 wow. while executive producing Point Break. And so I was involved in like a major motion picture yeah. at the time. And I was like, wow, you know, before I could actually see what I was involved in, I was just involved in it and I was just like surrounded by all this greatness. The following. Okay, so the, the next day after the table read, the second half of the day, we went to the beach, and we were going to go meet this guy who was going to see if I could surf, and his name was Dennis Jarvis. <laughs> How so, to get Dennis approved. How to get Dennis approved. Dennis approved me. I mean, the acting was good. All, yeah. all was good. I was set up. I was hired. They were doing my deal. I was working, but this was inside the first 24 hours. So Dennis was like the last stop. Kenny surf. And you know who they were looking at? If I couldn't surf, they were looking at Christian Fletcher. Yeah. Wow, to to be to your be Gromit. character, yeah, to be Gromit. Was, was that your character's name? Gromit? He was the def yeah. So he was, the, was uh, Gromit was my was my character's name, and then my ex president was LBJ. Okay, so uh, it, so if it right. wasn't me, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a Lyndon Johnson. That's great. Hey, kindred spirits, buddy, come yeah. on now, <laughs> um, love it. So anyway, so I was like, no. No, this isn't going to go to, you know, I, I admire Christian Fletcher. You know, I love Christian Fletcher for what, you know, his vibe. But I was like, no. Did he I'm try out for it? Yeah, they liked him. Like, basically, they were like, at their, they were like, you know, we can't find the right actor. Let's just hire the right surfer. Yeah. So it was going to be Christian. Well, Archie was doing all the stunts for, yeah. you know. For Swayze. Yeah. I just talked to Archie today, this morning. No way. For the first time in a while. Wow. I love Arch. Yeah. He's yeah. the best. Dino was on it. And Dino, Dino was on, yeah. the, on the film, yeah. too. Yeah, he's surfed, too. My brothers. I mean, and those guys, you know, it was like working with your idols. Definitely. Yeah. You know? So were you, uh, were you surfing at the time? I was, but okay. I had taken some time off. Not off. I just was pursuing the acting thing. So this was like, okay, I had to get back in the water today to show them I could surf. And I hadn't been in the water probably in like six or eight months. You know, but... With Dennis. So I had to get in the water and show Dennis. So I went to Spider Surf Shop, set me up with a board and a wetsuit and... So it's me and Swayze and Keanu and all the John Philbin and James LeGros. And we're all down. Uh, I think Vince Klein's down there. Anthony Kiedis is down there. We're all down at the beach, right? This is like within 24 hours of, of you know, getting this, this opportunity. Yeah. So second half of the day, I'm at the beach and I'm surfing. And, you know, I luck out. I get on the board and I catch a few waves. I do a couple turns, a little floater. I'll cut back. And they're like, okay, Dennis is like, yeah, yeah, you can surf. You can totally surf. Paddling, do all the things that you need to do as an actor. Yeah. And so I pulled it off, right? But I'm sure little, they just want to make sure you're water safe and you can paddle, you know, like... 
right? What did they? What? They, yeah, because they were was thinking. Was there a script for you to actually surf? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's plenty of surfing, and so yeah. basically, the only people that ended up really surfing is me and John Philbin. Like when they sent us to to you know the North Shore, it was the first time I'd ever been to the North Shore, and you know surfing like uh, Ayukite Beach Park and like and then going oh there's pipe right there oh and then like oh, yeah okay well, we're gonna we're gonna pile over to pipe now and like you know uh, we're gonna work with the hooey. You know, and then there's Michael Ho, who, like, you know, just be cool with Mike, because Mike doesn't really like that we're here. Wow. Yeah, and then Mike going, what the f you know, what, what, what I got to deal with these guys, you know, like that whole thing. And it wasn't heavy, but it was still pipe, and it was like four to six foot, and still kind of throwing, and like, yeah. you know, Michael's going, go! And I'm going, uh, you know, and just like going straight, not even like, you know, side-slipping into a barrel, but going straight and taking a few of those pipe waves to, yeah. you know, and, and, and pulling it off, and not getting too banged up, but like, and then kind of figuring it out each time. But that was a whole fun experience. I gotta experience. watch Point Break again, dude. It's great stuff. I mean, for those who are listening who are really diehard fans, they'll know exactly you, I mean, the nuance of all this stuff. Following. It's a huge, beautiful, North beautiful Shore following. And, and Point Break. Iconic. Big Wednesday. Yeah. Like, those are forever emblazoned in everyone's minds as Hollywood, the best Hollywood surfing ever, right? Like yeah. Movies. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and mostly because it's mostly authentic to what it's really like for you know people who have a connection to the ocean who surf for the most part you yeah, know because yeah. uh you know it's been it's been the experience that most movies with surfing don't really hit it in the most authentic way and this was really about the spirit and the bodhisattva sort of zen spiritual yeah. aspect of that connection so there's so many stories but also just i have to put a tag on this the end of the first day after that we did the surfing stuff we're back at dennis's house in the south bay and uh, Swayze goes, I want you guys to watch something. So he gets a TV set up, and it's all, dude, it's, it's me, John Philbin, James LeGros, Keanu, uh, Anthony Kiedis, Vince Klein, some of the other guys were there. It's probably like 10 guys, and Dennis, we're all in, this, in Dennis's apartment, this small house kind of duplex thing. And Swayze pops in a VHS tape of him skydiving. Wow. Do you remember the stuff that was on the screen where he goes, adios amigo, and he's like, it's, it's him, and he just he goes backwards, and this is the trailer of the movie where it yeah. had never been done before. It's all special effects until, until this point. Yeah. And so he went up and hired his own crew to go do that stuff and filmed it and didn't ask permission of the movie studio and showed us. And he's like, I want you guys to do this. With me. In real life. Today. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So then we drove to Paris Valley and went skydiving. And this all happened within the first 24 hours of me hijacking. Wow! Yeah. So, dude, Patrick Swayze was fucking the man. Dude, he's the man. He was my you know, mentor, my big brother. He would call me every day at midnight and say, how are you? How was the day for you? Do you want to discuss anything? What do you think about this idea for tomorrow? What would you say? You have a couple things to say here. What do you feel you, like you want to say? What He's would you say? On. And so we would like pencil in ideas. You do that with the main cast and, and go, go down the list. But he would take the time with you. Um, he was your brother, your mentor. He was absolutely committed to making whatever we were doing the best version of what it could be in the most authentic way. And every night I could expect that phone call from Patrick Swayze at midnight. Even if you were sleeping or whatever, like you're going to get a midnight phone call from Swayze. From Buddy. He's like, call me Buddy. My dad called me Buddy. Wow. Call me Buddy. Yeah. So, were you drinking or doing drugs or anything? No. Never? No. no. I was so clean and so clear. I mean, maybe I was drinking, you know, some 40s on the weekends, but not while I was doing Point Break. As a younger kid, kind of, my, my party was like, I'd drink a little beer, you know, like I'd drink 40s because you yeah. could get the buzz and it was cheap and expensive, right? But yeah. I was never really into drugs at all because I really was focused, so focused 
on the objective. My yeah. meaningful goal was to be successful in TV and film. Because I mean, which, which is yeah, so tough yeah. because here you are making a ton of money. You're you're on your own. You're with a you know like it's just it happens. It's easy. Like I mean, yeah. you're a teenager. So, Most teenagers want to yeah. rage. So it's really crazy <clears throat> to see how fast your success came, right? Yeah. Like literally. Yeah. How long were you in, in your LA? apartment? Right. Six months. Six months before you got Point Break. Six, maybe eight months. Eight months. Yeah. Within the first year, I, I befriended a bunch of those people, had a great circle, was studying with the best coaches known, even to this day. Yeah. And because uh, like, I'm sorry to cut yeah. you off, but like you're here, you are a nobody. Right. Right. A yeah. nobody. Yeah. In that, you're Unknown. meeting somebody's. Yeah. You're Faustino. Yeah. Uh, Christina Applegate, yeah. you know, and, and you land this killer thing with married with children. Yeah. And, you know, you're starting to, your net value or social currency. Yeah. You're, you're starting to be somebody. You're like, yeah. fuck, you know, like, here I am. And then you're driving Austin, Brian Austin Greer to Point Break. Yeah. Not, not really, you're just doing it for a favor. Yeah, yeah. Not thinking that you would ever get the chance no. to do it. No, no. And then all of a sudden, you're in the movie with these fucking legendary people yeah. already. Yeah. So like, you turn around to Faustino, you turn around to, to all Brian my friends. Austin. At yeah, the time. you're like, holy shit. I, I literally like, I was like, guys, you know, I'll see you in a, in like three months. Biocondias. <laughs> yeah, seriously, because like, you know, it it I was like full time on Point Break, like seven days a week, and like if we weren't filming in Southern California, we were in, um, you know, we were in Hawaii. Yeah, you know, because we were back and forth to Hawaii a lot, and uh, it was like a full full time thing. And so it turned the twelve weeks turned into nine months. I didn't see my friends for like nine months, and then then literally I was kind of like not out of my friend circle, but people go in different directions, yeah. right? And so, but I still, you know, I love all those people and have made a real effort to kind of get back in touch with everybody in the last ten years and have, and it's been beautiful. But I got pulled in this direction, did this movie, and after that, I start dating Drew Barrymore. No, you way. were dating Drew Barrymore. <laughs> Firestarter? Yeah. <laughs> so I get I get caught up in that wonderful relationship, and um, and so I'm doing that, but I'm also dating. Wait, how, how did you hook up with her? So I'm in uh, uh, Ralph's parking lot on Sunset Boulevard. It's called Rock and Roll Ralph's at the time because the Sunset Strip was like very rock and roll at the time. This is you know this is 1989. Um, you know it's very rock and roll. So Rock and Roll Ralph's is the is the only grocery store that kind of like services the neighborhood. We're all we're all the rock and roll kids moved to LA to play the Roxy the Rainbow the Whiskey and they all live a block down so they can be close to that action they all shop there so it's called Rock and Roll Ralph's legendary so Rock and Roll Ralph's I move into the neighborhood and I've got my first apartment After point, point break yeah I got my first uh, first apartment point break post point, point break and it's barren and I go to Ralph's to get some food and like get some like Jesus candles because I just need lighting in my apartment because right? I got no lights yet I got to buy everything I'm young you know I'm, I'm how old am I? I'm yeah, no, 18. no, no, no furniture, nothing. It's just empty. Yeah, I'm 18 years old, and uh, <clears throat> and I'm, I get out of my car, and I walk towards Ralph's, and I hear, "Hey, I recognize you. I just saw your movie. The movie's already out. The movie's fresh out. Yeah, this is like the summer. It's out, right? Wow. And it's I look, and it's Drew Barrymore in her car with her friend Alex Byrne, who's my dear friend still, and um, they both go, "Hey." Yeah, we just saw your movie. You're awesome. Come wow. over here. We want to talk to you. And so I started. So she picked up on you. Yeah. So I'm, so I'm talking <laughs> to Drew. Wrong. I'm talking to Drew. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, 
16 yeah. and I'm 18 and Alex is probably 18 and um, so we're talking and I'm like she's like what are you doing what are you gonna go do and I'm like I'm gonna go you know get some I just moved in this apartment they're like we'll go with you we'll shop with you let's 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 set up your apartment I'm like oh interesting so they made it a whole thing to yeah. go and shop for me go back to my apartment set up my whole apartment for me you know with Ralph's stuff right yeah. <laughs> whatever they could find in Ralph's and then we just hit it off and started so dating cool. yeah and that opened up my world to a whole other like um, you know social network but it was all authentic and beautiful and, and Drew's still my dear friend I love her so much but we just we figured at one point you know we're more friends yeah um, and it was it was really about this like we just love each other as you know as people yeah. kind of thing. But that was really cool. That opens up so many stories. But like that was that was post Point Break, and then I kind of sat and just uh, did a bunch of like really interesting uh, B movies for a bunch of years, and then some television, which just you know it, it, I could go on and on and on. So I'll let you guys take it where you guys want to go from there. Yeah. So <clears throat> when you did you? Uh, what was the pay like for Point Break? Point Break was scale. It was SAG Screen Actors Guild Union scale. So I think I was paid fifty five hundred dollars, which was you know you know it was fifty five thousand dollars. As a I was seventeen, turning eighteen, I was like, okay, I'll take that money for twelve weeks. Yeah, I'm gonna make a movie. Like it didn't matter what you went to pay me. Yeah, I think I might have said to my agent, can we negotiate a little bit? Can we drive that rate up? And she's like, no, no, no just close the deal. Like I don't know how this happened. Just close the deal. You start tomorrow. I'm like, all right, we close the deal. So close the deal, fifty five hundred bucks. But that was for twelve weeks, so it ended up being fifty five grand. Fifty five grand. Okay. Yeah. So it ended up being twelve weeks for fifty five grand, and then uh, we ext- extended. So then <coughs> they, had to, they had to pay the prorated, you know, rate of Nine the balance months. of whatever twelve weeks minus whatever it was six or seven extra months. Wow. So anyway, yeah, I made a couple hundred grand, I think, off the principal photography. But then you know residuals and stuff like that. Yeah. I still get residuals. It's not that much. It, but that's nowadays, but it's rad. super fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and you know, kind of full circle moment was that movie. Obviously, clearly was kind of like the feather in my cap and what people I'm best known for in terms of the acting stuff. But I've done a lot of television, had great opportunities, and then I, I, I basically got into um, this disenchanted ten years where I wasn't really connected to the industry. I was. I was pr- I was promoting nightclubs and making money in nightclubs to raise my oldest kid, and I got real burnout on that because that energy felt off. It didn't yeah. wasn't surfing really. I was making money in what felt like a nefarious way because it was like taking, taking instead of giving and receiving and doing what I love to do. And I got back into an acting class. I'm 51, so when I was 40, I got back into an acting class. I had like my midlife crisis at 40. I'm like, why aren't I acting anymore? Yeah, you know, I've raised my kid. So yeah, when you started a Club promotion? Yeah. So you threw clubs? LA. Yeah. In LA. Yeah, I was like a big club promoter for about 10 years. What was those clubs called? LAX. Okay. Yeah, uh, was was probably the most known club that I've promoted. LAX was, um, so it was me, it was um, DJ AM. Do you know yep. AM is? From- no longer with us. And Steve Aoki. And Steve Aoki? Yeah. Oh, wow. We're my business partners. And actually, Benji and Joel Madden and Hillary Duff, but they were more like passive. They were there every week but not really doing much except bringing their friends and their cool people. And yeah. then Aoki was DJing every week. And then I would be the nightclub promoter and the, and the marketer and also the host of the party. And I was also running and driving all the revenue and controlling all that stuff and paying everyone out as a result. So basically how, I'm how back in Gold Gate Park selling Coca-Cola's wow. again. How did yeah. you get into that? Like yeah. were you just saw opportunities because obviously that's a big 
industry. Yeah, everywhere. It wasn't the then. It wasn't then. I got in before the Renaissance, before the before the oversaturation of the market, um, and it was really like a cash grab for me. It yeah. was really like, okay, I'm literally raising a kid. Um, my acting career felt stalled out. I had like you know an unhealthy relationship with acting and with the with the industry, and I was just trying to make money, and so. I was always a guy who went out socially and did well in social circles. I always was a great spirited person. I love people. I could walk up and work a room, shake hands, kiss babies, all that stuff, authentically, in a non-weirdo way. Always really loved being out. And so I capitalized on that. Basically what happened was, to back up a second before the nightclub promoting, right before 9-11, I had made a movie called Out in 50 starring Mickey Rourke that I wrote, produced, and directed, and raised a million dollars of private equity for. In wow. 1996, when I was 26 years old, I had left acting and put all my focus on writing, directing, producing, and, and writing my way back into being on screen. And had success with that to a certain degree, as I made the movie, but it never really got a commercial release. It went straight to video, and it felt like, why did I do this, you know? Yeah. So I kind of hit a roadblock. But from that movie, I got a deal to produce movies with this company called Eagle Cove Deluxe Entertainment. And these two guys, Alan Rich and Tony Ludwig, had a first look deal at Warner Brothers. So they were sellers. They would sell ideas to Warner Brothers, and if Warner Brothers bought the ideas, they were in business. And so they did a lot of movies, like uh, Deep Blue Sea, The Family Man, um, they did uh, Mod Squad, they did uh, Starsky and Hutch. Wow. Um, yeah, I think they did some other movies, but those are kind of the bigger titles. And so I hooked into their deal at Warner Brothers, and so I had a first look deal with them, and they had a first look deal at Warner Brothers, and so they were paying me advances on potential future earnings to produce, to bring them things that might be fresh that they could pitch to Warner Brothers. And I was, yeah. a, I was a producer. So I'm working out in an office. I've got all the amenities. I've got an office. I've got advances coming in. I'm, you know, it's another authentic hustle, another opportunity. Yeah. Like, lucky guy, right? Here I am producing movies, and 9-11 happens. The 9-11 happens, we all know, Everyone's like, what's happening with the world? Stand still. So my deal kind of froze because the business froze, but I had offices. I had amenities. I'm like, what am I gonna do with the office? Yeah. I turned it into a nightclub promotions and marketing business. I took the amenities and I said, okay, let me get on the phones. Instead of trying to sell TV and film as a producer, let me sell an experience. Parties. Let me sell an experience. Let me get on my call list and call all the people I know and say, I'm doing a party. Yeah. You know, and I built up this core following to do smaller parties at restaurants where I like packed it out, made it the hottest restaurant on Tuesday night, everyone coming in, 20, and I get 20% of net bar sales and you know, 10% of food after you know, all the things backed out. And I was making checks and checks and checks, checks, and I go, okay, well I can do this and grow this. Let me get into the nightclub space where I can put more bodies in that building and I can charge a cover charge. So based on like the, the cool factor of the way my small parties were looking and feeling, I took that and sold that Scale to masses. So then I scaled it up and I put, I got strategic partners. So I went to Steve Aoki, who had a very small movement at the time. Dim Mock was his record label and his, his whole movement is Dim Mock. Yeah. Um, and before he was what he is today, I said, Steve, let me take your underground movement and merge it together with kind of my LA scene thing and we'll just create something unique that has been done. Wow. And let, let's bring Benji and Joel in because they're in town and you know they're wanting to go out and they're doing stuff. And you know, let's and, and, and Benji was um, dating Hillary Duff at the time. Let's get Hillary involved and like let's build this team that's undeniable. People want to come out and let's make it an experience. Let's get AM involved, DJ AM, because he was co-owner of LAX. And so we built this thing. And on Saturday nights, and I was the face, and I was charging like thirty bucks they had to get in, unless you were somebody special. And then we just rock you right through. But it was like thirty bucks, thirty bucks, thirty bucks, thirty bucks, thirty bucks. And then like getting twenty percent of bar sales, and I was selling the place out forty grand, you know, on Saturday nights and taking. 20% of 40 grand paycheck and taking like 12 grand cash from the door. I was making money. 
Wow. I was just doing this thing, you know? That's addicting. A yeah. couple times a week or like? Every Friday, every Saturday. So like I was making money, but it didn't feel good. Ultimately, I maxed out. Yeah. You know, I bought a house, had a Range Rover, had cash. I was doing all this stuff. It didn't feel good. Yeah. It didn't feel good. It literally you did that for how long? I did that for almost 10 years. LAX. Well, other clubs, but the nightclub promotions marketing business was 10 years solid. So LAX was probably like three years. Yeah, yeah. but there was, I, I did every club in town, but that, I think that's where I had the most success. Um, yeah, so there's a ton of other references, but I think that's the most successful. But so I maxed out when I was 40, I looked at myself and I go, what am I doing? You know, like I've got all this cash, like I need to pivot now. And so that's when I got back into acting. I said, I need to get back into acting class because I hadn't been in class. I need to find out more about myself. I needed to grow. I was having a midlife crisis. Yeah. So that's when I returned to the creative arts and got into this thing called the Meisner repetition technique where you see it, you feel it, it exists. It forces you to listen and respond and emotionally connect, not unlike what we're doing right now in this very moment. Crazy. Right? Yeah. And so it really got me realigned, reconnected, and I downsized my nightclub promotions marketing business and then started coaching that feeling and built my coach business as a result of that. So I'm enjoying my 10-year mark of coaching actors successfully as my primary source of income. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> But so close to where the heart wants to be because, you know, the heart wants what the heart wants. So I'm just in my alignment, in my flow, and, and really, you know... Um, giving and receiving versus taking in the way that I prosper these days. Yeah. yeah. And so that's been beautiful. That's so rad. Did you ever Thanks. go on surf trips? Yeah. So, <laughs> and so when well, I now was, you want to talk about surfing? Yeah. Well, it's so yeah. interesting, but like, yeah. we, we yeah. try to make money after you yeah, go surf. on surf trips. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So when I was making a lot of money in the nightclub business, I was going, so I had a friend, my friend Jason Burns, who's a, a senior partner at UTA, United Talent Agency, one of the bigger agencies that services writers, directors, producers, actors, etc. Um, and Jason's a surfer from Malibu. And Jason invited me to go to Tabby, to yeah. go to Tavarua. And uh, I was like, yeah, fine, I got the money for this, and like, I can do this. So I went to Tabby for the first time in like, I forget what year it was, but it might have been like early 2000s. Um, I remember it was only like 2,500 bucks to go then. And the yeah. first trip, the first trip I went, Danny Nichols was on it, and it's with the Dragon guys. And it's where I met Danny on that trip. Um, Who else was on that trip? Pickles. Oh, uh, Chewy Ram. Chewy, yeah, Yeah, he was was running Dragon. Yeah, and it was was him and Danny, and so so those guys were on that boat trip or on that trip, and uh, so I went to Tabby, and then I went back every year for like seven years to Tabby. Yeah, so Goofy Footer's dream, the most, so one of the most. Awesome trips in surfing. It's great. Yeah, it really is. I'm. I'm. I haven't been back since they opened up Cloud Break to anybody who can kind of paddle yeah. into it or whatever. But yeah, you could take anybody. Could Lars get been. There. I have. I've never been. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you've never been to the. Okay. It's to Tavi. No. Oh, it's something. To be, you know, it's something. I mean, you know, I don't know how it is now. I'm sure it's still beautiful and. Yeah, I but, mean, it gets a little crowded, but then, then again, it's like still perfect. You're still in Tavi. Yeah. 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 You know, half the guys out there usually, you know, depends on the trip and who's there, you know? I love when you get to where they pick you up at the boats, you know, where where you're finally at the coast and then they take you in the boats to Tavi. I love that little trick because you can start when you're you're boating into Tavi and you're like, okay, cool. For the next seven days, I'm going to be at Tavi. And then you first step off into the water, you get onto the island, you're like, ah, back at Tavi. Yeah. You know? yeah. And the ball is just helicopter. I'm not sitting on a boat getting wet. I'm in a helicopter. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, great. We got a freaking one of those guys. Playing golf instead of surfing. <laughs> yeah. Like heli- heli- to, to go 
play golf and then I'm like, All right, I'll see you guys later. I'm going to go three sessions a day. So yeah, I think those are the kind of people you want on the island. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. People that bring families, people that are like less doing people it. in the yeah. water. <laughs> totally. Totally. So, so, so yeah. And then a uh, bunch of Indo. I've been to Bali, all over Bali. So uh, between Indo and uh, Tavi, those are kind of like, you know, in Hawaii, obviously. But the, yeah. I mean, I, I did what I can. And, I, and dude, here's the other thing I have to share with you guys. The hip replacement. Blowing out the hip. When I was 15, I had my first uh, hip dislocation in San Francisco, getting blown off some big closeout thing. And then that just carried through for 30 years. And then in surfing you did it surfing yeah so for the last four years for the last five years starting today i hadn't surfed four years until a year ago because i needed the hip replacement but, but six years prior to that i could barely surf because i needed the hip so let me just tell you that like in this present moment i've never felt more connected to how stoked and grateful it is to actually have this conversation but yeah. to be able to go into the ocean Dude. paddle on a surfboard the feel the sun on your face catch a wave and be in flow yeah. it's it's very uh, with a therapeutic it's it's cleansing it's everything that you know makes those those feeling you know like the, the feel good feeling you yeah. know like paddling being in the water like serving therapeutic it's therapeutic yeah, yeah the, like we all want to rip we all want to surf but it's that's a bonus yeah. aspect of being out in the water. Totally. You know? Like, it's I, so killer. Yeah. I was having... Uh, Nothing like it. In my mind, I was having a flashback of the last time I think I surfed with you. Yeah. It was summertime. Yeah. We were both trunking it. And... I needed it a hip replacement for sure. Yeah. yeah it was a long session. time ago. It was yeah. like at least five or six years ago. Yeah, I was probably like just pretending I was okay. No, I mean, you were surfing well. Like, I, it was I, a yeah. fun, like, weird south side, you know, shore break yeah catch it on the outside chip in yeah and do the reform thing i think i had the last line of defense in other words all, whatever connective tissue was hanging on yeah was right there so what happened was uh <clears throat> it just popped it one one day you know <clears throat> i turned weird and it was like pop it was out of the water like pop i was like oh done and then i was literally on a cane for four years crazy stuff but during that four years i put myself into the coaching into the acting and got myself back into television and film and kind of re resuscitated a career that looks and feels like me now as a grown mature man in this craft with this new love for the craft and self and so the, the acting work that i was able to accomplish while in pain while in this process of like what felt like limbo or stagnant energy i was able to find myself in my patience and in my gratefulness to just be able to tie a shoe, even though wow. I couldn't tie the left one. So it, I, so many lessons were in that four year yeah. sort of sequence. And so post hip replacement, yeah. coming back into being able to do all the things that sometimes we take just for granted. Just be stoked on the little battles you're winning instead of looking at like yeah. the giant like in games. It's like, dude, I'm just stoked yeah. on today. I'm stoked on doing this and so, stoked yeah. on being. Yeah. So after you took acting classes and then you were starting to get jobs again, right? Yeah. What, what were the jobs you were doing? Just TV stuff? So uh, it's great because I knew that it was going to be a challenge. I knew that people hadn't seen me in a while, that I wasn't grommet from Point Break anymore. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't in my 20s. I was in my 40s now, and I wanted to get back into the craft before I tried to audition again. I wanted to fall in love with acting again and 
find myself and be inspired because that changes the course of the way it feels to my advantage when I'm in this activated energy, right? If I'm connected, you're connected. If I'm disconnected, you're disconnected. I wanted to be connected. So for me, I was like, I'll do, I'll do short films, I'll do student films, I'll do a small role in this, I'll do whatever I can, not because I can, you know, I was desperate, I just wanted to get my feet wet again. And one of the first things that came to me, and this is where I'm lucky again, so I did a few little short films and things that got me in some art films, got me some, some footage and a new reel for like being a man, not a boy. I got all that stuff together, and then all of a sudden I got a call from my really good friend, Noam Dromi, who's my call after this, um, and he's working for Warner Brothers on the new Point Break remake. And he's like, hey buddy, I'm having conversations at Warner Brothers about you being in the remake of Point Break. It's a $200 million remake. It shoots in Berlin. Would you be interested in playing the director of the FBI? <laughs> I'm like, fuck yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, when, when they make remakes, you're always like, it's never going to be as, as good or whatever, but it, it, it's rad because I, you would think that the directors and the, and the, and the, the movie companies would want to try to... yeah. Bring along, obviously, the characters that didn't die or whatever, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Now you're yeah, you're back in. So what's cool about that is, like, I did die in the first one, but what's cool is they, they, they <laughs> yeah, it's, it's totally reimagined. Yeah, it's re- he's an adult. Yeah, it's reimagined, but so, it, you know, and it's it's 20, whatever it was, uh, 25 years later, and, and, you know, it's Warner Brothers, they're making this massive movie, and they're trying to service the fans best they can, to your point. They're trying to bring back some Easter eggs where you go, oh, that, that was Gromit from Point Break. He's in this one now. And that's Roach, who was Nixon in, in Point Break. You know, So we played the directors of the FBI. So it's a little kind of sweet spot to where you land on our scene. And it's like, you go, oh, those guys were in the original. Yeah. So that's fun. Yeah. Overall, I think, you know, you're right. It's so hard to recreate movies that are classics and iconic. But... The, 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 the through line is, you know, the intention was really to make a great movie. And it was a great movie. They just shouldn't have called it Point Break. And even the people who made the movie think they kind of missed the mark and are apologetic in a way and trying to recreate whatever they do with the intellectual property going forward in a way that's as authentic to the original fan service as possible. So we're actually developing the TV series right now. Yeah, well, no the print. Way. Yeah. Well, the print. Are you involved is, in it? it? Yeah. No, I'm heavily involved. Yeah, I'm like spearheading it. Yeah. Dude, yeah. Epic. Yeah, which is Congrats. a whole other conversation. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, Adrenaline yeah. Junkie, like Bank Robbers, like the premise is great. You know, yeah. like you could d- definitely do spinoffs or. Yeah. It could be a series. It could be definitely. Yeah. yeah. It's basically how you do it and in, in, in a way that kind of like um, speaks to the Point Break universe. Because just like every iconic film, right, there's yeah. a universe that that kind of lives in in a way. Like the Matrix lives in the Matrix universe. Like Point Break has a universe, you know, yeah. so it needs to feel like it lives in the spirit of that universe. And so it was always about getting the original writer involved in developing the TV version of it, which is Peter Iliff. So he's my business partner on it. And we created the TV version and we wrote a season one of television and I got Keanu Reeves involved in that conversation and it's at Warner Brothers in development right now. So that's wow. something that, you know, it's, at some point we'll see the light of day. We just have to figure out how we get there so it touches on all the things that are as authentic to the universe as possible. Cool. And that's a big, that's, I mean, that's I, I, I want anybody listening who wants to know that that's going to be done in the right way. It will be done in the right way with the right people. So yeah. that's, that's really important to 
to get that out there. But yeah. yeah, but that's a big part of what I'm doing too. I'm developing a lot of television, which has been really great. Working with friends of mine who are notable in a way that's authentic and putting unique combinations of people together that add value. So when we go to market, we're in the strongest position to do it in the right way to get it done, you know, to bring it to the screen. Yeah. And so Point Break is one of four things that I'm working on in development as an executive producer. Yeah, but that's but again, I go back to the Coca-Cola, you know, hustle back in Golden Gate Park. You know, I go back to all that's it's it's, it's yeah. carried through that yeah. whole way. But it's fun. Like I wouldn't do it if it wasn't fun, you know. So, um you had surgery 5 years ago. No, 1 year ago. One I was year. out for 4 years. Okay, I'm yeah. just 1 year post op. Yeah. About a year and 3 but months. But you back surfing. Back surfing, yeah. 3 months post op I was back in the water. So stoked. And, and what are you writing? Right now I'm writing a spider surfboard. Dennis Jarvis stoked me out. Nice. Six one calls it the Modge. It's kind of like a dumpster diver, you know, slight wing, swallowtail, quaddy. I've got the Machado quad fins, you know, those big fatty mm-hmm. quads with the two like what do they call them side bites yep. inside them. Um, so that's my short board. I'm loving that because I've always been kind of like a twinny quaddy guy anyway. Love oh, look where we surf. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah totally, yeah. totally. Love a thruster system like for certain types of waves, but like uh, on everyday use, like I want to, you know, I want to flow. I want to paint. Yeah. And then I just got like Dennis just made me this seven uh, four seventies flow single fin. That's like this round pin thing that's two and seven eighths thick in the center and tapers off of the rail. Super fun for yeah. days that are kind of small and shitty and like where you can get in early and just start painting. So your everyday board. That's not my, <laughs> yeah, basically, like basically, yeah. even though like my, my discipline is to stay on the quaddie, yeah. but then I'm loving surfing this new single fin thing. Yeah, That's so awesome. I'm just having fun. Hey, again, it's stoked. whatever you're stoked on and what gets you out in the water. Yeah. And, I mean, have you surfed wave pools before? No. Never. Yeah. No, I want to. So badly. I mean, I can't, you know, I see the, I see, you know, Kelly's got the thing, right? Um, but then there's so many of them now. So many. so fun. And uh, yeah, and it'll be nice not to have to drive or fly to some. Yeah, Oceanside's oh gonna get one. Really? Palm Springs gonna get really? like four or five of them. Really? Yeah, four or five of yeah. them. Yeah, makes sense. There's so much land, right? To, I mean, I guess I mean, a lot of land, not a lot of water, but we'll see how that works out. Right, <laughs> there's a right, lot of tourism that can, yeah. you know, I mean, it's always been a tourist well, it, space. It, right. I mean, wow. yeah, Palm Springs, obviously golf mecca, but it's. It's less than two hours from San Diego, less than two hours from Orange County, less than two hours, or you know, all about two hours yeah. from all yeah. all three major cities. You yeah. know, so it's it's very destined to, you know. I could see a Point Break scene being filmed in Palm Springs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Palm Break. Palm Break. Yeah. It's actually nope. good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, yeah, I would love to surf a wave. What do they call them? Wave parks. Wave pools. Wave pools. Wave, wave parks. Park. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, it, they look super fun, and I know that there's like real waves. I mean, there's, I mean, it's, it's, there's real surfing happening in yeah. those things. They, you know, from that technology from 20 years ago, surfing Irvine or some of the ones in Japan, it's like just so gutless. And now they just got it dialed. Like yeah. the bottom contour, they're the perfect, you know, curve in the wave. It's got power punch. It's still wave pool. Still not real ocean. You know, right. it's definitely. You could once you're on the wave, but it's just the setup's weird. Like catching the wave is weird, but right. once you're on it, you know it, you could rip for sure. I mean, you yeah. obviously you have to surf yeah. Kelly's pool. Yeah, you so your circle of friends. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure one of those guys. Yeah, has a connection or is yeah. already gone. Yeah, but it's the best 
I have I have been invited a couple times. I haven't gone yet, but I want to. Yeah. I really, really want to. Yeah, we've had the fortune of, of getting to go yeah. a couple times and it's 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 a dream come true. Yeah. You know, like yeah, it's, it's mind blowing how perfect the wave is and you 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 know, it's like a sci fi movie. Yeah. Because you pull up and you're like sitting in the in the lounge chair and it's perfect. everything not supposed to yeah be for a perfect way to happen you know it's right. like what is going this, on here it's this like wave is coming it's like you a football like a football field of water that's actually seven football fields yeah yeah it's this big square pond and then there's this like pier with like this you're like and then the thing goes there's and, an arm and that just kind of the water the, yeah. and then the wave happens you're like yeah, yeah. that's a fucking perfect wave right and it's Lars, Lars been to the Texas to Waco that looks yeah. fun that's yeah. super fun too yeah yeah I really want to go to that one I mean, there's, there's a bunch. There's wave pools popping up all over the world. Yeah, all over the world. I'm down. I mean, you know, I for the love of flow. I mean, honestly, it, it's really about that line. You know, you talk about like Point Break is a lot about like finding the line. You know, and, and there's the Zen in that in in that you know metaphor where you're you're in that present moment and that line is there and with an impulse you follow the forward feel of the way that flows and it all just takes care of itself and it's all deeply felt and exciting yeah you know so whether you're getting that in a wave pool or the ocean or riding a bicycle or having a conversation or painting canvas or whatever it is like isn't that what life should feel like you know amen we love it yeah and Bo Jess Christopher Acting Studios I'm looking at your site right there it's fucking awesome thanks buddy I appreciate that yeah yeah, I like. So, can we plug that for two up? seconds? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah. So, so the acting studio, Bo Jesse Christopher Acting Studio, can be found on bojessechristopher.com. and it's also got a nice hybrid of my acting stuff, but primarily focuses on the coaching stuff. Um, and I deeply appreciate for you guys and for anyone who's listening. If you have any questions or anybody wants to check in on that, you know, happy to answer those questions. It's meaningful work that we're doing in yeah. the studio. Yeah. That's well, awesome. you've been there and done that and you know, you know, the, how hard it is to, to break into that industry. And, and obviously knowing the right people is, you know, just like in business and life, there's so many, there's no list that you just check off and it's a guarantee. You right. know, you got to have a lot of luck, Timing, you gotta be ambitious, you gotta be at the right place at the right time. Yeah. But you also gotta put yourself out there and take risk and yeah. you know, I think you could bring all of that and you have and, and you're you're giving these next generation or whoever tools to kind yeah. of you know, bring out the best of them. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. thanks G. I appreciate that. Yeah. No, Lyndon, this is this is awesome. You almost made me wanna act, but no thank you. <laughs> well <laughs> well it's I funny. It's connective work. Cause like it really is. you know how we talk about how you wanna do business with people you like? Yeah. Right? And, and you're, you're someone that's like, if, if there's these, I'm looking back at how your career happened, you know, yeah. like you, you were focused on becoming an actor in the theater watching Rocky. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And from then to now, everything that's happened that's big in your life has kind of been on accident. It's kind of a rocky story in a way. <laughs> it's kind of a rocky story. A, a little bit. It's a trip that you mentioned that too, because the other movie, Star Wars, you've got you know you've got you've got good energy and bad energy in Star yeah. Wars, right? If you blur yeah. the sci-fi yeah. fantasy aspect, the force, of it. yeah, 
the force good, in, good in this present moment. Yeah, it yeah. really is, and that is the connection, right? And what you, what we do with it, you know, is is really part of what powers it going forward. And I think that that inspired me to want to do the good and meaningful work. In other yeah. words, be on the the Jedi side of, of of the energy, and then the Rocky aspect of it really calls that sort of like against all odds. In each person to action yeah. to actually accomplish gotta be the unaccomplishable. You gotta, you gotta work hard. You gotta fight for it, but also fight. there's gotta be a fearlessness and there's gotta be, you know, there's gotta be a willingness to throw caution to the wind, but also there's sort of like a intuitive nature, trust the intuitive nature that you can you can do this, Rocky. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, he wasn't the best technical fighter, if yeah. you remember, but he had a heart. Yeah. Well that, yeah. going back to, to what I was talking about, it's like it's so crazy because you were laser focused at an early age of what you wanted to become. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And through all that, you know, through all the different stories you're telling us, like you were really lucky to get put in that position. Yeah. Your friend being scouted. Yeah. And then telling you to do it. Right? Yeah. yeah. You were really lucky, but you were focused on calling the guy and doing it. And yeah. you did it. Yeah. How then. 600 bucks mm -hmm. right yeah and that was the initial you were laser yeah. focused on going to this modeling finishing school yeah and then boom you were lucky to be the two people that this right. talent agency yeah. picked out yeah right yeah and then yeah and, and then, we and we talk we yeah. talk about not just luck but just right you know being at the right place the right time but it's it's preparation meets meets opportunity yes yeah and and you got Nichols it. has a, a funny yeah but you yeah. know you you gotta be willing to take risks yeah you know get outside your comfort zone yeah. you know take initiative you know i don't not, mind failing not, yeah exactly not, I, being, yeah, I, not worrying about failing yeah. or you know making yourself look like a kook or whatever yeah. like your first you know acting yeah. you know what was it acting classes where you're probably like dude this is kooky but yeah, i'm gonna yeah. do it anyway but that's the whole thing right yeah. yeah that's the whole thing i'm so glad that we're touching on that because you know where preparation met opportunity i was able to capitalize on it and those became my successes but that's that's the whole thing you know as long as you're questing towards something that draws you to it because the heart calls you to it yeah. you know there is no kind of kook approach to that there's always a learning curve and so I think the way I look at anybody, you guys will appreciate this now too, because I think we look at anybody who's starting anything and instead of judging them, right, we, we try to be encouraging, supportive, compassionate, understanding, because they're at, they're at the, the beginning of that potential journey. If they had approached it in a way that was aggressive and kind of, you know, um, uh, weird and, 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 and um, uh, it just, it was off, right? Then that would be a kook, you know? Yeah. But like, you know, then that's negative. Then you try to get, you know, you try to safeguard the situation from that negative energy. But what I love about anything is you can try, you can, with a certain amount of fearlessness and passion, you can try anything and achieve certain levels of success and either continue it or pivot. Yeah. And that is life, right? Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny just going back on, on the whole story because... It, it is fearlessness, right? But it's also just na naivety, right? Yeah. Or na I don't know yeah. how you say it. Naivete. Yeah, naivete. Because <laughs> you're not like, you're not thinking, oh, I'm fucking naivete. charging, you yeah. know? I'm yeah. fucking yeah. charging. I'm fearless. Yeah. You're like, no, I want to do this. Right. It's blind ambition. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like you're just, like going back to it, you, 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 you were focused on moving to LA. Yeah. And how lucky were you to get a guy that doesn't, that paid for your apartment. Yeah, yeah. And and what was cool? He wasn't even there. And he wasn't even there. Yeah. And what was cool is like, here you are. <laughs> you have a taste of, of money, 
right? Yeah. yeah. You, you have a taste of success with modeling and making easy fucking money. Yeah. You know, you're 500 a day or whatever it is. You could have took that route. Right. Instead, though, you said, you know what? I'm going to put myself in I got enough for now. And meet Let's people. make a sacrifice. And yeah, because that was the investment. Yeah. The investment was I'm going to leave the steady paycheck. Because I because I got what I needed from that, yeah. I learned from that, and it put me here. Yeah. But if I keep doing that, I won't grow. But to to do that takes discipline. Yeah. And also, like, is that a great idea? It is now because you lived through it, sure. And it puts you in that position where you got to hang with all these people. Eventually, yeah. You know, and Brian okay. Austin, yeah, career, yeah. and yeah. then and then for him to to choose you to drive him. Yeah. To this audition to change your fucking life. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, like it's like what the it's like fuck? that's life, and, and you look back in retrospect, going, how did that even happen? And it, and it all happens for a reason. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you know, and you you pivot. Like you could have gone that route and be like, you know what, acting thing didn't work out. I'm, I'm I, I know I got a gig, and you know, yeah. you always had kind of felt like a backup plan, even though you're going for bigger and better things. You know, you know, it's, I was gonna just uh, you just brought a memory to the forefront like so the day that Brian said can you drive me to that audition I was I was I it was at a time when I didn't have any money because I was in the acting thing and I'd done a few things on TV you know a little couple bucks here a couple bucks here but you have these stints even if it's a month you're not working it's like and then you just got a little bit and then, you know, then nothing and then a little bit and so I was cleaning the gutters at his mom and dad's house to make I think like 50 bucks cash that day and I was clearing the gutters you know leaves and, and then I just remember he came home and he's like, hey, I've got this audition. You want to go with me? And I, you know, I get collected my $50 from his dad and said, yeah, I'll go. It's, you know, you ready now? Like, cool. It was the end of the day. It was perfect timing. I just finished making my 50 bucks for cleaning the gutters. So jumped in the car, started working out the material. And then, you know, the next day I was making $55,000 for 12 weeks, but turned into $200,000. You know, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. so crazy. And I, I'm not trying to make out your look being the bigger part of your success sure because it the, the no seriously I get the, it the yeah. luck though that you've had it's been incredible but you're focused on what you wanted to do yeah but I was ready for that luck it, that's to like, your point yeah yeah because yeah. that's the, I think that's the biggest key right because if we just sit around and expect to be lucky it's like well when you're lucky what are you going to do with it yeah but when preparation meets that opportunity you win yeah yeah and again follow your, your heart and your passion and you're, you're already way ahead of your competition in, in a way because a lot of people chase things for the wrong reasons yeah. you know or they're not prepared or they're just they fall short or they're nervous you know and you just got it confidence is everything too yeah. you know yeah. and being prepared builds confidence yeah. you know being prepared is like dude I got this you yeah. know like yeah. it's just there's so many variables and it's just it's I mean I, I could only imagine how intimidating it is being in your shoes from an outsider but for you it's like natural yeah you well, know there's i think there's a there's it's exhilarating you know I, I, to me so much of this parallels into surfing right yeah. to be able to jump on a surfboard and paddle and feel the ocean and flow with the ocean it's a series of adjustments every second right you know this we, yeah. we all know this as we surf and to be able to be one with it at the epicenter of the energy when you actually catch the wave and ride the wave in that line at the epicenter of that energy in perfect flow harmoniously is to know the feeling of yeah. surfing yeah. but if you take the same way that all aligns 
out of the ocean onto land and you apply that to most things we have to do to connect through the day, it really is kind of a cross-pollinization of, of theories. And I would say, write the music that you want to sing, your audience will find you. You yeah. can't be all things to all people, otherwise we end up with this identity crisis. So, to, sure. your, so to your point, we chase all these things that we think all people want us to be and we lose sense of ourself. But to be at the core of our sense of self is in essence to write the music, metaphorically, we want to sing. Yeah. Our audience will find us because yeah. at our heart's core, that's where the event is taking place There's and the reverberation. Maturity and wisdom and everything. Over here. You're all growing up, dude. Yeah. You're all yeah. growing up. He's just acting though. <laughs> well, I, I call it activation. Yeah. ACT tovation. You know, so I don't teach that's acting, awesome. I teach reacting and then really lately I've called it activation that's great because that's really what you know the essence of storytelling comes from like we've been there in that event and so now I'm going to share what that experience looked and felt like in this moment and there happens to be a camera potentially on me recording that beautiful truth yeah so that is really more reacting and activational than it is pretending to be that thing Dude, this I, I think we just. I think we we're gonna get you a couple, couple of new actors, a couple <laughs> new students. Man, I, I might be one of them, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Work on my robotics over here. It's, it's really, it's been so helpful in life. Yeah. So, let alone in art. Mm -hmm. Again, what was the? Let's plug it again, Bo. Sure, Bo Jesse Christopher Acting Studio. But, but to simplify that, you can just go to my website, bojessechristopher.com. I'm yeah. also on all the social media stuff. I think primarily I, I work Instagram, and I'm Bo Jesse Christopher on Insta. Yeah, Bo Jesse Christopher on TikTok. You know the whole the whole gamut. Oh my god! Uh, and I have fun with that stuff. I don't really live or die by it. I actually enjoy it to some degree. Um, and uh, can I, can I just show you yeah. one? I just pulled. Oh up. yeah, look at that! Oh, that's nice. Is that you? Yeah. Don't so worry, we'll, we'll post this uh, on our site because <laughs> flat top. The, the 80s 86 flat top. That's what it's called. So it's it's that's a Depeche Mode inspired. 80s flat top, <laughs> so great. aqua netted, probably three four inches tall. Yeah, shaved sides and back with just a crown of bleached white flat top hair. Oh, that's so good! Real quick, that hair when I was wearing like um, I think oh there was a time when I was sponsored by Aquaflex, which was like a th I don't know if you remember that suit. It was like a really knockoff yeah. version of like a lead or whatever. And so there's an there's an Aquaflex. Ad pictures. I don't know if they ran an ad for it, but like I'm throwing tail and that thing I would go surfing. It was so aquanetted that the, the hair would, you know, duck dive, stay the same the whole time. You like, wore that out in the water. Oh, yeah. It was the 80s. I probably wore eyeliner, black eyeliner, yeah. a cross earring, and then, you know, aquanetted crown flat top. But yeah, that's 1985, <laughs> so maybe. Good. Yeah. I love 86, it. maybe. Yeah. Well, Genius. Congrats. Yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> on, on all your success, everything, your stories were amazing. We, we can't wait for Point Break, the series, to launch. Yeah, me neither. I think it's going to be really special, and I'll obviously keep you guys posted. In fact, if you would have me back when we're about to, you know, yes, when there's some information shared there, yeah. I'd be stoked to, to get back into that and share some other. There's so many stories, and I'm so grateful. When you say congrats, what I feel is grateful. For sure. Not for the material successes but no, certainly but just but, yeah. you know everything you've been in and, and, and where you're at as, as a person and what you're yeah. doing now you know like we really appreciate like these types of stories where life's not easy and yeah ups and downs and you know you, you've been at the bottom you've had to do other jobs that aren't as 
fulfilling and stuff and now you're back in, in a good space the hips you know Great. back it's, it's, and you're it's, back to surfing the hip now is the best part because it allows me to do all the things yeah. that are possible going forward with no limitations and, I'm, and, and so my gratefulness comes from literally being alive and happy and stoked in this present moment whatever comes from that is you know is is uh, gravy icing on the cake as they say you know yeah well shoot thank yeah. you so much Bo Jesse BJC Christopher yeah thank you aka Gromit yeah yeah Keep break fame yeah and dude more to come forward, more to come more to come peace bonsai bowls hands down the best bowls period seven locations two in Hawaii five in Southern California bonsai bowls go get some Caliente Southwest Grill. Clean, healthy Mexican food. Everything is made fresh daily using produce from local farms. Their salsa, their dressing, and even their marinades are made from fresh produce in-house, so almost all of the menu is naturally gluten-free and extremely clean. Family-owned, showing local love for 22 years. Check out their website, calientesouthwest.com for all your party pack and catering needs. You can also call them at 949-515-0909, calientesouthwest.com. Ashland Hard Seltzer, made from all natural ingredients. No sugar, zero carbs, gluten-free. Great taste and guilt-free good times. Ashland Hard Seltzer. Shade Sunscreen, the best sunscreen for all surfers. Shade Sunscreen, it's been around since the sun. Shade sunscreen. Clearweather is a family-owned footwear brand started by our friends Josh and Brandon Brubaker. They are driven to create their own path in the corporate sneaker world. Less corporate, more independent. Clearweather. Clearweatherbrand.com. Fuwax is the best, ickiest, stickiest wax in the game. Fuwax. Late Night with Chalky is supported by Inherent Bummer. Surf entertainment, thoughtful writing, surf videos, music, and fresh hell for the core surf community. Remember, it's not the end of the world. Subscribe and check it all out at InherentBummer.com. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends, James Williams for our awesome artwork and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music. 